Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. world outside your window may not be great but everything is wakanda forever here on post show recaps hello everyone and welcome to everything is super i am your host kevin mahadeo and i am not here this week with my usual co-host josh wiggler that's right we put the colonizer in chains and tossed him into the back of a van somewhere uh for this week's recording as we talk about black panther wakanda forever i'm kidding josh is he is somewhere he's on vacation uh hopefully not in the back of a van hopefully he's fine but uh we've brought on two very special guests to talk about this movie this week um you might be very familiar with them if you've been checking out everything is super for the past ooh, two two months or so uh as they have been covering she hulk here on psr uh welcome jason reed and sasa joseph guys how's it going Kevin, things are great. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I'm feeling uplifted. I'm feeling great after seeing Black Panther, and happy to talk to you, uh, to you and my my She-Hulk co-host Sasha about it. I uh, can't wait to get into it. Yeah, I'm. I can't believe that we're actually getting to talk about Black Panther. It's here. I've seen it once already. What a beautiful movie! And I just, I'm so excited. I really am. Yeah, this is going to be a really, I think, fun and great discussion for this film. Uh, probably going to have, obviously, some emotional stuff to talk about. Um, but uh, let's start with overall experiences and thoughts, I guess, high level. Uh, where'd you end up uh, on, on on your, I guess, I don't say rankings, but how would you feel about the movie overall? Jason, how about you? Um, you know, with for a film that had a lot to get through, both emotionally and both kind of figuring out where to go with uh, Wakanda, where to go with the Black Panther mantle, I thought that it did all the things very well. I did have some issues, but overall, I enjoyed it a lot. I really, really loved it. Of course, all of the Chadwick slash T'Challa stuff hit home for me in a big way. So in that in terms of that, it really uh, was successful for me. So yeah. about you. <laughs> 
I think for me, it was just visually so beautiful. Uh, I think the last superhero movie, I mean, I just watched Black Adam, right? With it, with it. <laughs> yeah. We love to see it. Uh, with it's, you know, yellow filter the whole time, right? All of it. I am a very big proponent of hating yellow filters on <laughs> developing countries, but you know, seeing all of that and then going back to Black Panther and just the beauty of the stories, the uh, the hidden meanings and everything and what they're able to create and how sad and how beautiful it was. It's just, for me, it was 10 on 10. Like, sure, there were holes. I don't even care if I'm being honest. It was just so well done and it really held such important representations all together so i i loved it yeah i uh the, the comment about the yellow filter on uh black adam very much reminded me there's this tiktok i saw recently and now i want to check and see if this person has done more where it was just like a, a series of stitches and it was just like every time a middle eastern country is, is seen in a movie and it's like the first person is like playing um like a sitar has like the very specific tune and then someone else just comes in with it ah! you know and then like someone else is just uh like a, a girl's in a burqa and it's just like the zoom course. in on her face as the wind is yeah. it's just every stereotype stitched over and over and was cracking me up um, but you are so right about like how other movies do, I think, uh, like just certain filter and color mm -hmm. and the look of a place. And what makes, I think, Black Panther stand out so much, and I think, again, attributes to what I love about this movie, both the first and this one, is the vibrancy and the color and just this this visual stunningness that comes through. Uh, as I mentioned, I got to go to a screening and I got spoiled senseless because i went to like a dolby screening which i don't think i've been to before oh, wow. and like dolby is all about like oh the visuals are like they really pop like the contrast of colors and uh they have a soundscape the sound that just come from the speakers on the side in the front it's like behind you above you below you depending on stuff oh, so when we're God. underwater like when we're underwater scenes the sound was coming from above us so it's wow. like underwater. Yeah. it was really a, a phenomenal experience and I think regardless of that, I probably would have enjoyed this movie even beyond the actual <laughs> biased um, theater experience. It was extremely well done. I think like Jason, I, I, there are like things here and there that maybe I would be like, well, you know, I wish they did this or whatever. But overall, I really liked it. The themes especially, I think, hit me really strongly. Um, the same thing with the first Black Panther. I think obviously having Ryan Coogler behind the helm and just having such a powerful Black cast behind there spoke to a lot of um, parallels to some real world discussions and issues and was able to translate that extremely well for Marvel movies, considering they sometimes don't talk about, I think, the the bigger issues in interesting ways. Um, and yeah, th there's just so much about it that I, I thoroughly, thoroughly uh, enjoyed. And um, I'm really excited to like delve deep down into it. Um, so let's let's do that. And I think we should probably start, I guess, the way the movie starts with the somewhat elephant in the room here, right? Um, tragically, Chadwick Boseman, who played Black Panther, passed away a few years ago. Uh, it was a, just a gutting thing, both, um, I think, it, for real-world implications and also just as fans of superhero films. Um, and this movie starts off with off-screen, but discussing as it's happened. Shuri is essentially talking about how Oh, and also, I guess, spoilers. <laughs> I should have yeah. prerequisite that, but if you're listening to this oh, podcast, right. I mean, come on. Let's, this is spoiler territory, guys. 
uh, off screen, T'Challa is essentially dying as Shuri's like racing to find a cure. Um, doesn't work out. There's a whole thing about her not being there by his side as he passes away. And that's sort of like the kick of the movie. And both in terms of the characters and I think in the movie itself, like there is a looming shadow of uh, T'Challa slash Chadwick um, in all of it. I really liked, I think, ultimately how they balanced that both in the beginning and the end because it's a bookend type situation. Uh, the I Not going to lie, I was worried that they were going to pull us of like Rogue One CG nonsense. We're, oh, we're, no. Either yeah. of you worried about that? I I was not because I think shortly after Chadwick's death, when when we finally got around to discussing what the plans were for the next, uh, what you know, Black Panther, it was like, no, we will not do any CG Chadwick, no CG Black Panther, nothing like that. So I didn't expect to see that. Um, I was wondering how we would venture into it, venture into T'Challa's death. Um, you know how how that how they would handle that? Would he die in battle? Would he? Uh, would it be something, you know, some other attack? I was very happy to see that they kind of followed the real life uh, events and said it was a, you know, a disease. They won't, they don't specify in the movie uh, what it was, but it was a, it was a disease that he didn't tell anyone until it was mm-hmm. too late. And I was like, wow, they are really mirroring yeah. the real life events. Um, I would be curious to know how you guys felt about the opening scene where we see her like it's in the last moments of Chadwick's life not Chad, sorry, to child's life. And uh, we're seeing her keep working. I didn't know if I liked that scene or not. I, I almost kind of wanted them to, to come in on it on maybe the funeral scene. I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel great about them coming in when, when we were in the final moments of, of his life. how do you guys feel about that? I think we would, we would have had too many questions if it came in straight at the funeral where it's supposed to be this really, amazing country that has all these stem developments right and then all of a sudden we're like oh they just killed him of a disease so i think i appreciated that there was some you know nod to like we did try it just it didn't work out and i think that's what happened uh specifically uh to the cast in real life where they were all in isolation when they found out and they couldn't believe it and they you know, and they were all working, they were whatever, all everywhere, and then it happened. So I wonder if that's also a piece of it as to why they chose to maybe not give Shuri and uh, T'Challa that moment together. Because that, that was hard, I have to say. But I just wonder if it really mirrored, again, what happened where they found out super last minute also. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that... I like the scene in terms of the character arc for Shuri, right? Because it is, I think there's a level of acceptance that needs to come with a moment like that. And being by his bedside, I think, would have been something like, obviously, um, you know, uh, his mom was there for. And I think some of us would do uh, where we put into similar situations in real life. But, like, her character so science and solution focused and forward that like for her being there at the bedside wasn't enough she should be doing something so i think it really and even in that moment like everyone was just like hey there's nothing you can do and there's denial because like the the movie certainly follows i think levels of the uh stages of grief right like she goes through denial she goes through depression she goes through anger certainly um until i think at the very very end is acceptance that moment uh, at the end of the film um, so I think it it tracks with her character journey, 
And since the movie is trying to focus so much on like her character and how T'Challa's death looms over her and her not wanting to honestly move forward, it works in that way, you know? Um, And I think it's interesting contrast of the funeral compared to also like the, the, the tragedy and silence of that opening moment. Cause the funeral, obviously there, there's a lot of like uh, music and like celebration in a way. Right. Cause like the cult, like certain cultures do celebrate death because it's not the end. It's just the next stage. Um, so I did like the contrasting of those two, of those two scenes. Uh, I like that. We honestly didn't see him in any way, shape or form until the end of the movie, uh, not counting the Marvel studios thing. Right. Like, yeah. In the movie itself, in the story, we didn't actually see him until the very, very end. And uh, that moment at the end, though, that was definitely the moment that it, like, it gut-punched me, you know? Like, seeing yeah. those scenes was just... And I think that's what they're going for, clearly. But it, it that's that's where I really, really felt it. Yeah, that's the yeah. moment it got me, too, was at the very end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, same. I think, if for me, at the start, everyone in the movie theater, right? First of all, the complete silence that a full, packed movie theater is able to do i have never experienced that ever because as soon as the marvel credits start y'all i just we knew they would do something beautiful but to just it's so powerful and every uh all, all the lines we see in the marvel opening is lines that he uh that his character t'challa has said in various movies that he's shown up in so it's just to you know that level of detail come you know with the silence on screen and in the show it's just so powerful and to be able to command that much from the audience i i I was in awe i mean it just seems like a no-brainer to do like a moment of silence with his like the marvel openings but it was Mm -hmm. still just so beautiful and majestic just to just to see him up there with the and like you said sasha the theater was just dead silent Mm because it's like everybody knows what this moment means and what this is i thought maybe even they would do like the fanfare for the for the marvel opening but just have it dead silent and have him show it just gives a moment for everyone to just kind of take it in and be like yeah "Yeah, this is what we're going to go into so that decision although it's seemingly a no-brainer is so smart and so wonderful uh i really enjoyed that that part of it to begin the movie and I think it's so interesting because to Sasha's point too, right? Like this happened during quarantine. Like obviously, universally, there was a lot of mourning, but it all appeared digitally. It all appeared through Twitter. That firescape that's yeah. also going down. Um, <laughs> it, it was different. And I think having this moment in theater for all of us together to have these moments of silence, I think across the world um, was really powerful and really great. Uh, certainly, I think... I really love this movie. I thought it was great, but there is that, like, I think gaping hole, right? Like, it's hard to not think about and miss, um, you know, Chadwick Boseman playing T'Challa because yeah. he was so good and was such an important character. Uh, and I don't think this, there's anything the movie could do. Like, if you feel it, you're going to feel it. And I don't think, like, for me personally, I just kept feeling it almost all the way through, like, this, this, like, this missing piece that is so unfortunate that we are missing. And I think they did a good job of trying to, you know, move forward and progress the story as best as they could. But it's real difficult to, to pull something like up, considering like how important of a character he was and how phenomenal he was in that role. Yeah. And I was actually also reading, uh, I believe it's in a Vanity Fair article where Ryan Coogler shared how 
he actually, him and the cat, the original cast went uh to south carolina before shooting started and visited uh you know the area that's where chadwick boseman it you know i believe is resting now and they almost paid homage before starting the the filming so it's just i feel that this whole film is just rooted in so much tradition so much love and you know and and the attention to detail with everything is yeah it just shows up and and there is no Chadwick Boseman and it is what it is I think but but I I agree that if Jason I think you said this actually during She Hulk right where you wish that maybe different people could become the Black Panther when needed and maybe yeah. that may would have made a little bit more sense but either way it worked it's just there's no Chadwick Boseman to fill that yeah. Yeah, I think what I said at that, at that point is like it would be like a shared responsibility where there would be a lot of Black Panther uh, suits for mm-hmm. like, you know, an M'Baku and a Koye yes. or a Shuri. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that would have been fun. I did. I mean, we'll talk about it more as we go through the movie and, and how I and how we felt about Shuri taking the mantle. But for what they had to do with this movie, I, I enjoyed what they did. Yeah. I, I'll have to say, um, and, you know, going into the funeral scene, like just to have that not be to have that contrast between shuri and then they're walking through the village and the villagers are all you know dancing it's a celebration of the child's life was and you know shuri's just kind of not in that mindset she's not there she's she's grieving so heavily and to have that that contrast and all the villagers dancing was so beautiful and so fun and, and does fit that culture that you know it's not the end it's just moving on to a different plane the ancestral plane was such a great moment such a great uh great scene for that did you guys do you guys want there to be any uh i mean for lack of a better word cameos in the funeral of other marvel like people to be there f- for this moment like I, I thought maybe like a bucky uh could have been there since he was you know in wakanda uh they deprogrammed him or whatever I, what'd you guys think? Did you guys think it could have added anything or do you think it would have taken away from the Wakandans moment just for another, just for like a kind of an outsider to be there? They're so against, like they literally called the nicest white person, the one nice <laughs> white person that they have a colonizer, right? Like yeah. even him. So I personally don't necessarily feel like it was missing that. Now that you say it, it's interesting, but I, I still feel that the Wakandans, I think, are still an insular country. And even though maybe they're a little more open than what's to come, uh, than the other country down way below, they're still pretty insular. So I don't know that letting folks in, like quote-unquote outsiders, colonizers, whatever we want to call, into this beautiful ritualistic space makes sense. I uh, Because I think that I'm thinking of like, I have a relationship with Bucky, right? As Shuri or whatever, but my people don't. And they're seeing, all they see is maybe a white man, you know? With a vibranium arm. Yeah, with a vibranium (laughs) arm, like, you know, hanging out. Uh, And not that folks can understand the importance. And I can see how that might like, you know, instill some uneasiness within within the everyday people. Yeah, but I mean, I think in like uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, we saw a little bit of Bucky does have 
like a semblance of relationship with like the door Milaje. They know who he is. They know like mm-hmm. and it felt from uh I honestly forget which exact movie. Was it Black Panther one where we saw Bucky being the white wolf in Wakanda? Um, you know, at the at the one of the end scenes. So we know he's been there. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we post, know yeah. that we know that he's been part of at least a little part of the community. I just think some kind of representation from somewhere else in the Marvel universe, I think would have been an interesting thing to see. Yeah, I I go back and forth here because I do think it, it would be interesting. I actually didn't think of Bucky because uh, I was thinking in my head, like, who who would show up? And the only other person mm-hmm. was like Cap. And I'm like, well, he dead. So right. like, I was like, who would who would fit to be like a, a person who would, who would make sense to show up in this scene? Well, I mean, because um, everyone everyone that he interacted with in like Civil War exactly. is dead. Is like, that right? Like Natasha, <laughs> Steve, Tony. Yeah, like, like, they're all gone. They're all I gone. Mean, you can maybe do like a roadie. Yeah, uh, but you know Brody, that would have felt a little Clint, but then even then, yeah. that's yeah, weird. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 <laughs> it was like a situation like that, and that sort of made sense to like not have the cameo. I actually, this and honestly, for me, this is actually addressing like a real bigger point for me, I think, from the movie is that I actually really appreciate how insular and standalone the movie is. Um, compared to a lot of the MCU. I have been personally <laughs> at this point sort of beaten down by them trying to be like, guys, it all means something. And then like basically because I'm like, no, it doesn't, you lying liars, lying to my face. Uh, which is why I loved um like Love and Thunder so much, because it was such an insular its own movie that didn't like tie too much to what was going on. And this felt the same way. And I kind of liked that I was just like, oh, good. I don't have to worry about the broader MCU, I guess. I, I, I kind of feel you on that. But I also would say that the inclusion of Val in this kind of skews That's away true. from that. It, it, mm. it makes me feel like, I mean, I, I'll get to one of my criticisms of the movie here, I guess, is that the, the inclusion uh, or the wedging in of Val and even to a lesser extent, Everett Ross, even though he was part of the first movie, is seems a little forced in this uh, especially after we get through like the first couple of scenes, once we get into scenes where they're uh, talking about their former relationship, I was like, what does this have to do with the Black Panther? Like, I, like, I did I, love that, though. I love the reveal that they were married. I <laughs> like, like that, that reveal. I just would. Well, did this need to be in this movie? It was that's my a, question. That's a fair. That's a fair like, question. Yeah. Should this be have been saved for the Thunderbolts, uh, you know? property or or what like yeah. that, that to me felt a little wedged uh wedged in i think it was, it bias, was goofy but it was it but my bias towards loving uh julie Dreyfus and martin freeman both i think may have course, uh, yeah. like skewed my my because like I, I that reveal i thought was delightful and tracks and also good for both of them <laughs> <laughs> right like like uh in, into that pairing um and, like, yeah, there was those parts. I mean, it was the, like, connection to the outside world, right? And, like, Val is this looming presence, I think, to an extent that we, the audience, knew because we knew her bigger score, so to speak, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, the characters within the film, knowing she has ulterior motives. Um, so I think those parts, like, kind of track. But all in all, though, it felt to me, like, to your point, though, like, I, I do think the rest, it just feels like its own thing enough that you could it could bleed in from the previous movie without worrying about like the broader MCU and I kind of really like that aspect. Um although like that this talk about the isolationism does bring me to a semi critique cuz we get it pretty quick, right? Like one year later essentially, uh we jump into the future. Um and we have this situation where with T'Challa gone, uh Ramonda is running 
Wakanda. She is the queen of Wakanda. She is now in charge because everyone else is dead. Um, and uh, Shuri's too young. Uh, so, like, she's ruling Wakanda. And I I like this part a lot. And I love the implication. But I kind of wish we delved a little bit more. Because when I, when I talk about one of my favorite things about the previous Black Panther film, it was the ultimate ending of Killmonger had a point to an extent and T'Challa had to change and Wakanda had to change. And that was the lesson to be learned. And it feels like with T'Challa gone, they regressed to be like, we are back to being isolationist. We're not opening our borders. We're not sharing stuff. We're not doing any of that. And I find that so fascinating and interesting because I do think it's such a like reactionary thing to what Wakanda is doing. Um, and like to the loss of T'Challa. But I wish they delved more into that because I, I I like the idea that there is the line of like you have to open up a little bit, right? And like not to appease France, but <laughs> to to help, you know, other people of color in the world. And I think like that was the key hook of why T'Challa made that decision. So the idea of like going back on that a little bit, I think is fascinating, but they didn't delve into it enough. We certainly saw, quote unquote, the consequences of doing that. Um but I, I don't know. Like for me, like that was one of the things that I wish they they kind of focus a little bit more on. But I don't think they hit that note really well. Um, what are what are your thoughts? For for me, like you said, it did get dropped uh, pretty fast. I think once we get into the Namor of it all, it gets kind of pushed to the back uh, to the back burner. And I do think it may have also been a way for them to maybe have a setup for the next movie, mm-hmm. uh, where we ha- maybe we do have that conflict between Wakanda and the U.S. Um, but yeah, it did, it did feel like it was ramping up and then it just kind of died down. So there was no, like no big consequence to that. Um, so you're, you're right about that. I just feel like, and that, that for that scene where we have, you know, the France, uh, you know, army coming in, <laughs> right. they, they open the doors and like, oh, that was so good. I was like, ah, like I was like, oh my God, we were, let's yes. go. So like, that was a, such a monumental scene. And I mean, so my like MVP of this movie, or I mean, for at least the first three quarters, was Angela Bassett. Um, yeah. Just as Ramonda, and where she where she's in front of that that uh, I don't know what you want to call it that uh, the UN or the mm-hmm. commission or whatever you want to call it, and she's giving that speech about like you guys thought we were weak, you guys thought this and that, and then they bring in the front the the soldiers was so powerful. And just the the level of stepping up that everyone had to do in this movie, uh, from you know the supporting cast of the first movie was so tremendous because we had Angela Bassett Ramonda in the first movie. She wasn't that big part of it, but the, she, she stepped up here. Uh, Winston Duke and Baku stepped up here uh, in this movie. And just to see that was so fantastic. And like for, for her, like in, in this speech, and we'll get into the speech later where she's uh, talking to Okoye, uh, just magnificent acting from her. She's like, like I said, my MVP of the movie. Uh, so yeah, that those parts of it were fantastic for me. I also think this scene served as a stepping stone for what is going on yep. because one agreed with the like this is probably a setup for future but I want I think we have not seen any of these people shine in the same way right because they were never supposed to and now all of a sudden we're like okay we need to see them shine we need to see them you know, have power and not just perceived power, but actual power. So I think that they needed to show that, listen, we don't have a Black Panther with us, but that doesn't equal y'all are going to mess around. 
in that, you know, dead space, we need to just lock everything down and pause. So I feel that Wakanda was on a pause to decide what the heck we're going to do. That's why I understand. Um, and I don't necessarily disagree with what they did or why, you know, they're not sharing because even though they're on pause, these people are messing around yeah. and showing up. <laughs> yep. Okay, France, yep. I see you, lady. So I think that, that this whole scene and sequence, right, we needed to show that the Dora Milaje are so just as badass as ever. And that, you know, they have the, the step up on all these people, regardless of how we may come off, quote unquote. So that's what I saw this. And to me, it was like we're setting up powerful black women to sh- take up space and to be like, no, like we got this and we will be fine without a Black Panther, like just government yeah right wise so that's why it worked for me because listen when they came not even when they came in when they uh in molly when they opened the vault right and it's just the faces i was like it's a wrap it's done for you like you're everyone's dead bye i love it we're back baby you know like i'm safe so and Interestingly enough, I don't know if y'all have seen The Woman King. Spoilers for The Woman King if folks haven't. But um, that's actually very similar to the opening scene in Woman King where uh, Viola Davis, like, it's all of them. they And they come up. And it's, like, just black and it's just their faces. So I just, I think that's a beautiful shot that we just, we needed to see to showcase the power of the people that, you know, are, were just... Like level two, level three, the names we maybe didn't even know. So now all of a sudden we need to know them because they're now with the story. Yeah, I uh, thematically, I mean, it's it's amazing to see all of these characters and all these um, extremely incredible black women like step up in here. Right. And uh, that opening like that scene, <laughs> it's it's the epitome of the French F around and they found out. Exactly. Like, it's, it's... And I also think it was a good it was a good scene to illustrate like, OK, yes, this is a movie about grieving. This mm-hmm. is a movie about loss and all that. Yeah, but we still going to F some, some shit up yeah. like we, we're not we're still a, a semi action movie. So don't get that twisted so i think uh it, it helps to to kind of illustrate the the, the blend of all the, the themes and all the topics that are going to go on in this movie yeah it's it's truly because like that's the thrust of it there's the there's always like the emotional conflict right with the characters in the film and then there's the like broader external conflict and the external conflict absolutely bleeds into i think what's going on and like the french doing what they did because it is a very much the mentality of the rest of the world and the point of that scene is that like with the Black Panther gone, everyone thinks that, like, now is our chance. Wakanda's weak. They don't want to give us our resources. We'll just take it. And it's like, uh-uh. And I really love that part of it. Um, on the note, too, before I hit the next note, the uh, big thing here, I definitely want to double down on Angela Bassett in this movie. Holy shit. Like, yeah. the scene I think I've thought about most coming out of this is that moment, you know, partway through where Shuri is gone missing and she is confronting Okoye uh, in the throne room. And the, like, the acting on that woman, oh my God. Like, I, like, her anger and sadness and rage as she talks about, like, her family is gone. Like, I cannot stop thinking about how good that scene was and how much she acted the shit out of that moment. It was so incredible. 
Yeah, I mean, she's dressing down Okoye, and they're talking about, like, uh, you know, the one of the other elders are like, yeah, well, she ha- she betrayed her husband or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, she gets to visit her husband if she wants yeah. to. Like, I don't yeah. get that. <laughs> oh I don't get God. anything. My husband is dead. My son is dead. My daughter is, like, I was just like, I was like, I, I almost wanted to clap. I wasn't yeah. in the theater. I would have been clapping. But, like, you know, I was just, like you said, the, the acting in that scene and, and the, the first thing we just talked about were just were things that really stand out in my mind as I think about this movie and think about Angela Bassett. Those are what will stand out for me for a long time to come in those in this movie. So, yeah, she killed it for me. She was she was definitely stood out among everyone else and really upset me when what happens uh, with her later in the movie happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's also open spoilers. We're allowed to, like, talk out of order. Yeah, I was pissed when they killed her. I was pissed off. Why did they need to do that? I was like, what is the reason? No, no, you're wrong. I said, no, I said, they're not going to do that. They're not, they they just killed off. They just killed Sherry's brother. Not going to kill her mother, dude. Like, that's crazy. And they're like, no, she's gone. I'm like, wait, 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 what? Like, I, that, I was so upset at that, at that moment. Yeah, I, I just feel like this is where, right, these, acting performances these moments were when it was pulled out of just being a superhero blockbuster and it became like a legit contention of like just a good movie period not just in like a marvel or not just in a super uh, hero kind of space but in like period it is a good movie and deserves you know its flowers and listen if these people don't at least get nominated for an oscar like I will be fighting people. Yeah, I mean Angela Bassett deserves it after that. Uh, for sure. Angela Bassett should be number one on that. I just I fear that the you know the what you want to call it or the the view of comic quote unquote comic book movies will always hamper hamper that. Unfortunately Absolutely. for me, so like I, I think as much as we think they deserve, as much as we know they deserve it. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Well, it's why this always comes like it is unfortunate, but it is always post-mortem, even in comic books, yes. right? Like yeah. Heath Ledger won when he died. Like it's right. always like that's how it ends up being. And that's a whole Academy issue that we don't need to no. rant about. <laughs> yeah. It's an entire other podcast that we can rightfully complain. Um, just the get out thing where it's just like, oh, well, I, you know, I didn't actually see it. So I didn't vote yeah. for it. You old white bat. Anyway, <laughs> listen. That's actually exactly what we're gonna discuss today. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I yeah. I uh, the acting in this movie was so spectacular, and I get like why it, you know why her character ended up dying because it had to be a situation where Shuri's put into not a role as a daughter in Black Panther, but as a potential future leader in Black Panther because like that would have to be a situation to help her make her ultimate decision at the end when it came to Namor, and I think. For those reasons, right? Like, that's why that had to happen. It is a tragedy. It's the same way I feel about, like, Spider-Man um, uh, No yeah. Way Home. Where I'm like, uh, presumably we've all seen it. Yes. And if you haven't, by the way, spoilers. spoilers uh, the Losing Marissa Tomei. I'm like, no! <laughs> like, yeah. Because, yeah. you know... You're losing. You're losing a legend. Boy, this this phase, this phase of the MCU <laughs> is real brutal. Yeah, like we love to kill off parental figures in this uh-huh. phase of the MCU. You're going full classic Disney animated. That's no what I was, yeah, yeah, say. <laughs> I was like, is this the Disney effect? Because yeah. I'm over it. Okay, here. Oh, I just have to say this, but 
all our characters don't have to, I personally feel, don't have to go through, like, they can go through grief, right? They need a turning point. I get it. The plot needs to, you know, have move around, blah, blah, blah. But, like, my God, they don't need it to be battered with, like, everything. As as She-Hulk says, all your heroes don't need to be, you know, orphans with daddy issues. Thank you. Okay, (laughs) She-Hulk has yelled it about this, and I don't want to yell about it anymore. Stop (laughs) this. I, I will say one thing, like, it's it's for me, uh, I'm a huge, huge, huge Superman fan. This is pretty well known. One of my favorite things that they did in, like, the 90s, I want to say. Actually, I think it was, like, the it started in Crisis, after Crisis on the But Superman's parents, both his Kryptonian ones and his regular parents, in the past, were both dead. And that changes. Jonathan Kent, his dad, uh, his Earth dad, I guess, um dies of a heart attack it's it's an interesting thing when you do the story that way because heart attack killing him is brilliant because it's the one thing superman can't stop um but like that element of like oh his parents have to be dead i don't like and in the 90s especially and especially the justice league and the superman animated series did a great job in that both of clark's uh, the kents were alive and he would get to visit them and i think that adds a whole new element to this character and his story um and i wish that was the case where it's like like you said the parents need to be dead the whole time right like we don't all need that like holy crap um but i again in the case of this i see why it happened but like right it would be great if we still had angela bassett in the future yeah. Listen, um, watching that with your mom and me and my mom are just like, oh, my God, because yeah. I went to watch it with my mom. And she just like stares at me when the mom dies. And I was like, come on. Not she's this. Like, so you're going to miss you when I'm gone. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And I was like, no, don't do this. Let's <laughs> move on because I can't. OK, it's too much, too much death. I don't need it. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Um, all right, let's talk about, like, because that's a good segue into the broader themes of where we're going. Because the reason why this attack happened by the French uh, was, and the part that I do like, despite my criticism about, like, oh, I wish it was more about, like, the contrast of what T'Challa was going for versus what ended up happening, is that, shockingly, who who could have seen this twist coming? Is that when Wakanda was just like, we're not just going to give you vibranium, all the rest of the world, specifically the very white world, uh, decided, well, we're just going to try and take it because we want it and everything belongs to us in some way. And if we want something, we should get it. Uh, so like, that's essentially the impetus is the idea that they want vibranium. And if Wakanda's not going to get it, we'll either take it by force or find some other way to get it. Event, And they find uh, vibranium on the Rasiyatatatata uh where uh we discovered that's where namor is and his people have vibranium access as well and they have stayed especially hidden for a very long time but because they're coming in to take vibranium from them this leads to the major conflict of the movie i will say i love that concept because holy shit reality right like reality there is a resource that these other people want and they will go to the countries that have them. And if it means putting those countries and the people in those places in conflict together, all the better for the other people trying to come in. Like this idea of destabilization to nations, just so you can sweep up the pieces, it is the most Eurocentric thing I've ever heard. And so goddamn accurate. So the fact that this is the thrust of the film, I was already just like, clap, 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 clap. I was, I was very much into that. What did, what did you guys think? Yeah, as someone that obviously comes from a colonized nation, I was like, here we go again. They're back, <laughs> baby. It never ends. And guess what? This time it's our own people. So, <laughs> aka America. But I think this is folks that maybe, you know, aren't aware of, like, not only history, I think current events of how, uh, you know, the war, a few wars that we have fought uh, for oil, but, you know, under the guise of many other reasons, it has been fascinating because I think if you don't put two and two together, this concept of colonization, taking what's ours and being the superpower and how do we stay the superpower? Well, we have to weaken other people. And that's just how, you know, white supremacy benefits from all of us. And I, and I, when I say white supremacy, I mean the not white people. I just mean the concept of white supremacy. Well, <laughs> well no, because I know, I, mean, I know, I know. I was making white a joke. people too. <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's so, it's so on the nose because of just how countries are still warring to this day because mm -hmm. of something colonizers did, right? Miss Marvel, why are India and Pakistan still warring? Like, Listen, the World Cup happened. Windy is not in it. And why Why am I mad? Because we don't get to play Pakistan. Hello, it's the same country. It should have been the same country. Yeah. So it's just colonization has created so much trauma in our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. That we have no, um, that we consciously maybe know, but I think unconsciously deal with all the time. And that to see that on screen and so beautifully, I think, uh, adapted just it felt seen because i was like yep there we go colonization getting us again why are we fighting each other when the scientists like because in my mind i'm sorry i'm jumping ahead but i oh, was like fine. it's not riri's fault i was like just tell her tell him the story of what happened and she didn't build it you know maliciously they stole it let's talk about that 
instead maybe he'll he'll give her you know freedom or he'll let her live so that's just how I feel at least personally is that all of this trauma that's in our bodies was now I feel like on screen and that's why I think it was one of the reasons I loved watching and of course just how easily they were able to defeat these navy seals right i think it was joint cia navy seals whatever Mm -hmm. top top people basically i was like hey look at them just (laughs) just going well that that scene in particular was such a great introduction to the um to the I'm sorry. What do we call it? I want to call not, them Atlantis. not Atlanteans. Yeah, the I, comics they are Atlanteans. The yeah, the Talakans. Yeah, the yeah, the Talakans. Mm-hmm. To see them, the, the Talakans. Yeah, to see the Talakans introduced this way was so effective and so terrifying. Yeah, just for like, especially like the siren call yes. that had all the, the soldiers jumping overboard it was so like so creepy and so effective, like almost horror movie like. Uh, was such a great introduction to them. And just to have like at the end where you know Namor comes up and he you know whips the helicopter around just to see him like up in the air. You don't even see his little wings flapping. He's just up in the air this, as this ominous figure that we haven't we don't see his full profile yet, which is so effective and so wonderful. You know, uh, a little bit of a waste of Lake Bell. I was a little surprised that uh, that she was in such a, uh, a small right. role. <laughs> like, like I, I almost like I almost think going parsing through the threads of the movie, I almost thought like was she supposed to be the inventor of that like vibranium thing? And the last minute we made a substitution for Riri or whatever, but I don't know. But uh, just to see that that scene was so was so fun and effective and, and a great set piece a great action piece really yeah um so much of this movie i mean the, the, the of the threads of the plot are intricately tied together but i um i love their introduction We're, we'll, we'll touch on the the entirety of namor um and the talakanians talakanis uh, again yeah. <laughs> i don't know what the official designation is here uh some linguist knows but i it's not me um in 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a moment for sure as a whole uh but i, I definitely want to echo what sasha said too is that the thing i love the most about this movie was its central theme because of the one of vibranium and that they had someone who invented something that could find it uh the more specifically wanted the wakandans because they didn't want to reveal the the he didn't want to reveal his people to the world because they want to say more than isolation it's just invisible and hidden yeah. and not known uh, to send the Wakandans who are known to capture this scientist and bring them to uh, Namor and his people to deal with. Um, and that sort of leads to the thrust of it. It eventually leads to the conflict in this because of uh, things that occur and like vengeance when Shuri gets taken and like retaliation and retaliation and retaliation leading to the ultimate, like the big battle is between the Teleconians and the um, Wakandans. But ultimately... The theme of the movie for me is, is, of course, just like stop it. You should not be fighting each other. Exactly. A bigger, it's the Americans. It's the Get American. the Americans. Get that. Like the way that this keeps like this rings true, and I, I like that's what I've loved about the first Black Panther. That's what I love about this, and I think like obviously there's the writing and the behind the scenes of it all. Um, I just got to give you know so much props, especially Ryan Coogler, who I think is just like phenomenal director but also like creed is a perfect example i'm a giant ass rocky fan i love rocky but i saw the first creed i was like you have no right to be this good like and it is <laughs> entirely i think ryan coogler and michael jordan obviously who like made that what it is and i think similarly here drawing on these real life themes because jesus effing christ the way we have seen this especially god in the last like you know uh, 
eight years, especially, or however much at this point, has been this conflict that brews between um, different groups of people infighting and preventing him from do getting rid of the real bad people. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, this this election may have finally been the moment where enough <laughs> young people and enough minorities are like, all right, no, 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 we got to stop this shit. So, like, it can be done. Um, but this this idea is so fantastic and so powerful. And, like, they're, they don't – they're not over the – like, hit you over the head with it, which exactly. I truly love. It's not like, oh, this is, like, knock you. Like, this is what's happening, see? But, like, if you read it and you understand it, you can get it. For me, I absolutely get it because, like, for me, coming from um, a South American my, – my family is from Guyana, which is a South American country, but – that has its own extremely similar history with colonization and pitting people against each other because, quick history lesson, um, Guyana being a British colony, British Guyana at the time, was, of course, colonized by the British. And for a long time, they essentially brought slaves over to, you know, feel the land, do, do the, the, the stuff that they, <laughs> terrible things that they do with slaves. Uh, then the British out, like, abolished slavery for everywhere but America, um and essentially at that period they were like well we can't have slaves anymore in Guyana. so what do we do i got an idea uh we have india that's this other colony over here let's do this thing called indentured servitude where it's not Woo-hoo! slavery but you know we could get them and so we'll bring them from india like have them sign a contract and be like hey if you come here and work you could get rewarded afterwards it's like okay and then they brought a bunch of indian people over there and there's a ton of indian people in guyana However, once they were there, conflict happened because this newly freed slaves were trying to get legitimate jobs because they could do so now. Meanwhile, they brought over all these people from India and said, well, we brought you over to work these fields, but you're in competition now against these people who want the same jobs you do. So, like, what are we going to do? I guess it's a like a, a pay, a, what is it called, like a, a wage spiral to the bottom. Yes. Who are we going to pay less? And they <laughs> successfully turned um indian people and black people against each other which isn't even to account for the native people who lived in south america so like all of this stuff like is so real to like literally experiences i saw in like happening with guyana and the long-lasting ramifications amongst my own family members is wild so like all of this hits so true like looking at this and being like yeah this is this is exactly how it goes they they somehow managed to like turn us against each other but then have the ending being like we got we got to stop there's a listen <laughs> we should not be fighting each other there's there's other issues to deal with um so i thematically i love that piece of it uh personally um that that is that is my take um so let's let us do stop in though on namor and uh Ooh. the talakonians holy shit i <laughs> this is obviously a new interpretation of this character to an extent he still has that bit of like kingly arrogance that uh namor has in the comics but obviously this is so much more influenced by um native culture and especially like aztec and incan and um uh, spanish culture as well like i honestly love what they did here um i it was blown away by how well the story was done and how well his backstory was done yeah i think if we if we like compare it to the comic counterpart uh it's definitely a little different but i think I think this is better. Like, I just oh, yeah. the comic counterpart is is a lot more arrogant, a lot more. Uh, you know, he's even a little seductive. Uh, he's like Mister Steal Your Girl to Mister Fantastic, trying to get C. <laughs> Richards in the comics. Um, but this was, 
you know, I, and you felt a little bit of a kind of a chemistry between Namor and uh, Shuri in moments. But this was, he was, you know, much like in Black Panther 1 with Killmonger, this was a, a villain with a, with, you're kind of right. Damn, like, I don't want you to be right, but you kind of are. You got to have a point here. So I think in that respect, like just like we did in Black Panther 1, we, we conveyed it very, very well. And we even got a great backstory that didn't take up a, a whole big part of the movie because it couldn't because we had so much to do but they really conveyed his backstory in a quick yet very efficient way of understanding who he is and why he's doing the things he's doing yeah i i also have to say the idea of how they built him right and and the way they took so talakan is actually taken from or heavily inspired sorry by a a real you know, Aztec culture where, or a story where it is Talalo Khan and it's described as a plate of the paradise. And interestingly enough, it's ru ruled by the rain deity, which we do see in it's the God they pray to uh, and his consort. But what's fascinating about it is that this city absorbed those who died through drowning or lighting lightning and as a consequence or as a consequences of diseases associated with the rain deity. So to me, it's like every, even the base, right. Of all of this is that they're building on how do we create a, a flawed character, but that actually is someone that folks identify with. Well, let's turn to, what our ancestors already tell us about it. And then we'll go from there. And I wasn't mad at him. Listen, until he killed my girl, I wasn't mm -hmm. mad at him. Yeah. I was like, where is the lie? Like y'all came to him, started looking for his stuff and his vibranium. And now he got to get you back. I don't think he's wrong. And then all of a sudden, people are fighting each other, you know? So it's just the whole piece of him and him being the first mutant. I heard it. I heard it. Yep. I, I was like, stop teasing me. You're I killing know, me, always. Marvel. Come I'll on, guys. You. Stop using that word if you're not going to give us And listen, it fits because in the comics, he's also he the first yeah, mutant. Yeah, the first mutant. So exactly. it's, you know, it was it was such a fun, it was such a great moment to hear him say it out loud. Like, oh, okay, there it is. We're checking in. There's, there's mutant word. Yeah, so I feel like just pulling from the comics and real-life stories and real-life culture and religion is what makes him so compelling and so beautiful. And, I mean, the costume designing, my God, it's out of control with how just amazing everything looks. What what I especially love about it, like, the backstory is, to me, phenomenal. Like, I, I just, the, the idea of... um how they how they were formed as a people how they ended up under the sea so to speak and their culture and survival but then the moments that for me obviously was just like holy shit was when he comes out to bury his mom <laughs> oh my <laughs> he God. flavors and then they, little, they, little namor don't play bro little don't namor play. don't play in my classic the way i always say it too like once the slavers are all killed i was like oh no they died <laughs> like oh, it's just uh what like a shame. Just, yeah what a shame that's all yeah i uh that scene was so well done but like okay it is it is a thing in writing and in especially comics right like they they always say the quintessential thing is you have your uh antagonist as a dark reflection of your protagonist many 
early writers and people who don't really think about it will just make them literally the same with the same powers, uh, like down to the same powers, except one is good and one is bad and that's it. What Black Panther 1 and Wakanda Forever accomplished so, so well is taking that idea. And in Black Panther 1, it is a similar circumstance of same powers, but this one, it is not. Um, but showing how they are so similar to each other, but so different to each other. And it shares, a, the, the, that's what ends up bonding them and helping them understand each other. It's like, it's not just a dark reflection. It is the circumstances or whatever, their philosophies are different for X reason, but they share also some similarities in heart that are still the same. And ultimately, Namor and Shuri, and you know, really whoever's ruling Wakanda, are very, very similar. Their people are similar. Like, because the idea that they became the same way from this flower and, and, and plant that they found is similar to how the Black Panther gets their power. The idea that like, he's doing everything he can to keep his people safe is the same thing that um, Ramonda was doing and to an extent T'Challa was trying to do. It's what Shuri's going to have to end up doing as the new ruler. There's so much similarities between the two characters. And I think that's so, so important and so vital. And their origins and their people and their culture, the importance of culture and tradition to them is so vital that it really unifies the two groups. And you see how they were both similar and how they were both different. And to me, again, that's such like excellent, smart writing that it just works so well to the point where when that moment happens at the end, when Shuri's faced with the decision, a lot of times it could feel just like, oh, I guess she just changed her mind because the plot demanded it. But to me, it, it did make sense when you saw what she was referencing, when she's realizing how much their cultures and their people are the same. I thought that worked so well. And that came with the development of Namor and the people of Telecon. So like just incredibly well done. Yeah. I think when we talk about the ideologies, it's interesting that, that the Wakandan ideologies even changed a little bit since T'Chaka to T'Challa, mm -hmm. because we mm -hmm. get this, we get this scene where Shuri's in the, you know, I don't know if we want to call it the astral plane or where we're going to, where we're going to go <laughs> uh, with the, I mean, boom. I mean, big surprise, Eric Killmonger Love is it. here. Love that uh, moment. So good. He and he talks about like, what do you think the Chaka would have done with that scientist? Like he would have given he would have given the scientist over. Mm -hmm. But when we when we transferred power over to T'Challa and with T'Challa's experiences, things have changed. Like we are not going to do that. Like if T'Chaka was king, he would just be like, All right, Namor, here's your scientist. Like, leave us alone. Thanks. And just to just to see that ideology change and to see Shuri uh kind of weigh that out. I mean, she never really she never even thought about giving up Riri, but just to just to see her weigh her ideology as, as the Black Panther, do I kill this guy? Do I let him live? And letting her mother influence that uh, was so powerful and so wonderful. Just to see her come into that into that mindset on her own, based on her influences. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's it's another reason. Like it's so well done, right? Like again, the pacing and, and the story structure plays out so perfectly in this film i think for that reason and then you you mentioned this character and so let, I, I do want to hit on this right like we can jump back and forth there's no structure yeah. here we're <laughs> not making a movie yeah. so we don't have to worry about that um but you mentioned riri uh this is riri williams who in the comics is known as iron heart who became the uh iron man like character uh has her own suit we get all of that in this movie but i have to ask if i was the only one so i famously don't watch trailers I don't observe spoilers. I avoid everything. So I went into this movie not having seen or read anything. The only thing I knew was about Letitia Wright and her real world stuff. 
which <laughs> oh boy. against not for yeah that's all i knew so i went in not knowing so when they said uh oh there is a scientist who built a machine that could detect vibranium my hand like clenched on my armrest because <laughs> i thought it was a different scientist also associated with black panther and namor and for a hot second well, i was like reed richards oh, reed richards <laughs> yeah like, is yeah. this the movie that it's gonna happen that's interesting. I wish I could nah. live your life, Kevin. I wish I could live your life with uh, with going into the something avoidance? completely dark. Um, it takes but, work. <laughs> yeah, I just the way. I mean, if, we're, if this is the segment we're talking about, Riri, um, you know, if I think about it after the fact, I don't know that she made a huge impact on me. What did you? Guys oh, think? I'll die for her. <laughs> yeah, I like. I loved her character. I just felt like if you removed her from the movie, would we have noticed? I mean, that's, I feel like that's for a lot of folks in the movie, right? Where that's what a beautiful cast and a strong cast does, where they can carry and plug in the holes when the other person isn't around. But I will say, I think this was a lot of universe building, unfortunately. And that's where she was part of that piece of more the universe building, not necessarily the Black Panther Wakanda Forever story. But she was great. She's young. My question is also, she's at MIT with another MJ, question mark. So what does that mean? So that's why, again, I felt that she was great universe building. Also, we did get the biggest plot point from their interaction because she had a heater up, right? And the... um, Oh my god, now I forget it. Okoye, sorry. It was like, what are you gonna do? Kill no more with the heater? Yes, that's actually exactly what we're yeah. gonna do. That's actually yeah. very funny. That's I didn't funny, think yeah. about that. That's yeah, that's a good one. So <laughs> it's just I think all of that, right? She she had very subtle moments of I think being the vehicle for where the, the plot needed to go, where we needed Shuri to show up and go be the the savior for someone it's not going to be for you know adora milaje she it's probably going to be for someone that actually needs her help that's young that she identifies herself with aka a young scientist yeah Yeah, so that's why i feel like there was a lot of moments that we just needed riri so that our our a team could actually be the a team and actually like show up and do whatever they needed to do again like when uh Riri's lines are out of control because then she's like, yo, this is Princess Leia, you know, beauty and the beast shit. When yeah. when she has when um Shuri dress has to, to yeah, dress up. <laughs> so it's so funny, right? So I just felt like that was her job, and that's fine. And we get Ironheart out of it. So great. Why not? I will also listen forever defend Beauty and the Beast against haters because the, the, no. the way the way people read that movie is incorrect. Like the whole like, oh, it's about Stockholm syndrome. I'm like, no, it's not. It's about a society that has put its values into the wrong thing because the whole thing about Belle's village is they worship Gaston, who is a misogynistic asshole, and they worship him. The problem is the the, the city. That's listen, the lesson. Listen, well, Kevin. Welcome, are... welcome to our Beauty and the Beast TED Talk. No, yeah. no, 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 Kevin. I will die on this hill that you are maybe Stockholm syndrome by this movie. Because, <laughs> no, because both can be true. We are dimensional people, and guess what? Many things are wrong. That's Stockholm true. syndrome is just one issue of that damn movie. Sure, but that's a different podcast. Yes, sorry, come come different later TED for talk. the Disney issue um, podcast. 
Yeah. Okay. So I will say I do I do see Jason's point, but I also see Sasha's point in that I mean Riri's essentially like a living MacGuffin, right? She's an element that's helping drive the plot forward. Um, I do think she contributes emotional stuff and arc for Shuri. I, I also but... think I also think that sh that because Shuri can't necessarily be the comedic relief, yeah. which she was in Black Panther one, I think Riri Williams stepped in to that role in yeah. this movie, which I think was a very great part of her character. I'm sorry, Kevin, go ahead. No, 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 that is a very, very valid point. But like, in terms of like, to your heart of the question, your iron heart of the question, <laughs> um, would she make a difference? And is that that honestly is hard to say, I, I will admit, right? I think what it could, what they could have done with this and would have hooked everything back together. This is one of those like, if I could change something, uh, I would have emphasized the fact that Riri, Riri is someone who is obviously a hyper-intelligent um, uh, Black woman out in the regular world, did not have access to the technology Wakanda does, is struggling to accomplish a lot, selling a lot of the stuff she's doing just to make it through. She has her own workshop, but she's been, she's been hustling nonstop. She's trying to survive in a world that doesn't acknowledge and respect her or see her as an equal. This is exactly what Eric Killmonger was talking about in the first movie. If you loop that all back in together about them sliding back into isolationism and they see Riri out there trying to do this and trying to survive, and that is a thing for Shuri, especially to be like, T'Challa was right. My mom, like, regressing was not the way to go. There's people like Riri out there that we need to extend out to. We need to help. Not the French people. Not these, you know, colonizing MFers. But our people who are struggling, that would have unified everything back and had Riri sort of like a real solid purpose to bring, I think, Wakanda and everything back to where it needed to be. Uh, that would have been, I think, a, a way to like solve it and like have Riri there. Um, I think also like in my defense of not knowing anything on this, uh, I understand why it ended up being Riri Williams, right? Like after was it they said kid, I was like, oh, it's Riri. Like my brain clicked because I knew yeah. there was another smart and like thematically it makes sense because it's a movie about like powerful black women so having a be riri was sensible now you might be thinking the reason why i was like reed richards and like it wouldn't work because again like he, he is white not in my head canon because this would have been the perfect time the perfect moment to have reed richards and have him be a black man because like if it again if you got william jackson harper showing up i would have flipped my like the theater in excitement like <laughs> Holy shit. Um, obviously, again, thematically, it all makes sense. Fantastic War coming eventually. Still crossing my fingers that the reality is that he will be a black man, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a, a way that could have maybe solved the, the Ruby Williams uh, issue. It was cool seeing her in the Ironheart outfit at the end, though. Like, that ending fight as a whole was pretty cool. I mean, honestly, the action throughout, I thought, was yeah. pretty uh, A+. plus. What did you guys think in terms of the action, especially compared to the first movie? Uh, where were you on some of the action scenes here? I think in terms of, I'll take it in two pieces. The boat fight was interesting, if not a bad idea from the Wakandans uh, <laughs> right? standpoint. Correct. Thank um, you. Yes. And then the, the Shuri-Namor fight was so brutal and so yeah. fantastic. Like, to see her, like, impaled on shrapnel. Yes. And she's got to, like like pushes like self off of it i was like where's oh the God, blood is... but anyway well i mean it's a pg-13 movie yeah the, the blood is in the rating <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah yeah so 
to see that be so brutal and to see her her plan come to fruition like it did so so genius and to have that in and that end moment where she does the wakanda forever and it blasts name i was like oh my gosh and then for her you know of course her decision whether or not to to kill him or not but then to go back to the boat see everyone cornered <laughs> and and namor and sure you're up there like namor's like yeah we're not fighting anymore if i was namor i'd be like hmm you know what no maybe we're maybe we're still fighting maybe not maybe not please for real jason you missed uh, the theme of the movie we just talked it seems about like this. we got him on the boat like we can win this now we just, I mean, I'm just talked saying. about this i'm just saying there's no honor among bad guys supposedly but like he's not bad that's the point that's the point the re- we know we know who the real bad people are they didn't talk about it enough in the movie but we know who the real baddies are it's not oh my god i understand i understand I'm just, you know five minutes ago he was trying to kill sherry and i was You're, just like you're doing you're very slytherin of you right now i have hey, to what, say hey, I, that's, that's my house i gotta tell you um but anyway uh so yeah the action was fantastic even on the boat even though it was a bad idea to like face them out on a boat where they had like so many other like what are y'all doing bro <laughs> yeah. yeah the fight scenes were fantastic the the midnight angel suits were interesting to me those were the suits that shuri came up that with mm-hmm. that okoye and uh anika uh ended up wearing uh i i wish that we got a little more attention on them i wish if we couldn't have done that we would have saved it for the third movie because there's a lot of story involved in those suits in the comics i wish we could have tackled that uh you know in another movie because it really just felt tacked on it didn't feel like real um so i would i would have wish we could have saved that for another feature but that's that's another thing uh ironheart fantastic but again didn't feel like we got a lot of story into that suit it just kind of happened it was kind of there uh but the, they the say you watched iron man before you know yeah. what this is like, true true we, we got the montage of her yeah. like beating the the metal so i guess that's good enough um, <laughs> but yeah i i think as far as the choreography goes all of it was fantastic all of it was great to have the the uh dormilaje repelling off the side of the boat mm. with the jabari mm. land people oh. like oh. holding them up which is so like you know so fantastic so yeah all in all i think that all worked out well we did not get a like climactic cgi against cgi fight so for that i am very thankful yes. <laughs> i'm looking at you black adam um but like you know for that i am so thankful it also i have to say for jason and i specifically coming off of the she-hulk <laughs> Yeah. All right. Okay. CGI worked here. Yes. This is where so the movie, this is where it, that 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 finale scene where it's the, the robot they went to Black Panther. Yeah, so. where the robot Kevin is like, yeah, we are diverting other resources to other things, and we get the Wakandan drum beat. Uh, it, it showed because we didn't have any CGI issues here. Yeah. Exactly. So all I'm saying is like I was just for Marvel because I was like I think it's a wrap for them. I don't know where all these people went. Then Black Panther came out and it was all good. Was like, oh, that's where they were. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. got it. I get you know, money is tight. We love capitalism, but <laughs> it's just, but it looked so clean, and I I actually agree with you, Jason, on the um on a midnight angel that piece as well. Where I just don't know why they needed to show it, where it, because it was comical, right? Akoya hated it, and all of a sudden she's wearing it and not being the badass Dora Milaje outfit right first of all also can we point out like dora milaje they're they're like regular quote-unquote outfits as an out of uniform i need all of them like how do i non-culturally appropriate 
and wear I, them. I need more home life of the the Dora Milaje. Because yeah. every outfit these people are wearing, the I need the breakdown. In this movie, yo, when Shuri was at the college, oh my yes. outfit, I was like, God, Shuri damn. and Okoye both. Yes. Like Okoye's like, I could be conspicuous, and uh, and Shuri's like, really? I don't think so. But I, uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I just great. I have like oh it was so good and then like making fun of like her makeup and it being ashy I was like stop mm-hmm. it why yes. y'all doing this right now it's too much but it's just all of it right and then all of a sudden she's wearing the damn Midnight Angels outfit when I was like she hated this she loved her red why are you doing this to her what's going on because may in my mind I was like wait is she maybe not part of the Dora Milaje is that why the Midnight Angel is here but you know in reality they're all they're a special unit within the special unit so maybe not but it, it just didn't track as well and I and it t- I didn't like the blue with all what we have been seeing the whole movie and how powerful the Dora Milaje have been I think it could have just been the Dora Milaje being badass, and that's yeah, it, fine. It, it felt out of place. A little. Yeah, I mean, it it didn't it didn't distract too much because it was just like a literal like two minutes of movie. But I was like, eh, that's kind of weird that they're just all of a sudden here. And, and because I know the comic lore, it was like there's a lot that goes into that. I wish we could have mm-hmm. had more time to tackle that in another property. Yeah, Those especially when we're demons. fighting blue people. <laughs> like yeah, why are you in a blue music. suit you film it like no so just visually if we're wanting to do like a not a good guy versus bad guy but like wakandans versus what what are we calling them right uh tall whatever the versus then i need it to be a versus and i don't need it the lines to blur as a dumb like me being like (laughs) i need a dumb dumb it down for me a little bit then that's how i'd like it but either way was it cool to watch obviously yes of course i thought yeah the action in this movie i thought was pretty fantastic from the chase scenes to the fights obviously the opening uh fight was 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 incredible i think the thing with the with the midnight angels and stuff uh, i was about to call them blue angels because you said blue so much i was like that's something different (laughs) um but like he I think the okay, so th- this heads into something which is a, an interesting discussion point because Jason, I think you and I had a similar thought about where the movie was going to go. Um, but the movie did a good job of, of establishing the threat of the Talakonians, right? Because they are fast and strong, and Namor, especially, extremely powerful. As Mbaku points out, they don't call him uh king or 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 you know, I forgot what the other one was, but. They call him like Kalukan. Uh, Kalukan. <laughs> yeah, like, he's a god, a serpent, a serpent god. god. Yeah, he is their god, right? Like, so th- th- there's a lot there, and like one of the most like showcase of how powerful they are, of course. But Mbaku tries to attack them, attack them more specifically when they when they come to Wakanda, and Namor just like one punch mans him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> into oblivion, like into oblivion, just, just yeets him across the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild, and so. The idea of like establishing their strength levels and what the Wakans have to face, it became like, well, they they can't just fight them as normal. And Baku gets an upgrade where he has uh, the titanium um, uh, mace, basically, uh, or vibranium mace. Um, Shuri, of course, becomes a Black Panther. The Midnight Angels are suits that can help, and of course, Ironheart is there. Like the, the idea of upgrading so that they can stand toe to toe. That's and why still getting I, beat. and they're still getting beat. <laughs> right? Embarrassingly, it's, it's okay. <laughs> So I think that that's why it happened. Um, I thought, and the, the way they were going to go, and which could have been a solution that would not have incorporated the Midnight Angels, 
is that I thought ultimately it was going to be like, listen, T'Challa has giant shoes to fill. I don't think it's one Black Panther. I think it's Black Panthers. And I think yeah. several people are about to take the herb now that Shuri can recreate it. And I thought it was going to end up in a situation where it was going to like uh, Shuri Okoye um, and Baku and Akia, uh, and Akia maybe, right? Like, yeah. I thought like that's where it would go and we'd have like the Black Panthers and that's how they can stand toe to toe against uh, Namor and the rest of them. But yeah, especially since we've established that Black Panther isn't necessarily just the the, the royal family. It's a mantle yeah. that anyone can really take on if they, I guess, are, for lack of better words, a pure of heart or whatever you yes. want to call it. Um, so yeah, I, that pre-movie, I definitely had that thought. But yeah. When we didn't know that Shuri was going to be the Black Panther, mm-hmm. um, that was definitely a thought that was in my head. Yeah, same here. Um, so I think like, if I were to like make one thing, I was like, okay. And I, but I, thematically I see where they were going. Right. And it, and it ultimately it does work for me, but I definitely thought they were going to like multiple Black Panthers level, which would have been really interesting. But, uh, I think like, that's why they, they had to throw in the Midnight Angel suits and all that. Right. It's, it's, it's for effect of how do they stand the chance, which Honestly, yeah, I, I could take early, right? Like, it, it's something that that I thought could have been gone either way, and it didn't really, I think, enhance it too much. Uh, the one thing I will note as we are on this, though, is, uh, oh, man, who, Aneka, I believe. I will just say real quick, I do not have the, um, obviously, like, I my, my experience cannot speak fully to this moment. Uh, I'm sure for many people it was probably important. But the reveal that she was in a relationship with one of the yes. other Dora Milaje was another yep. one of those Disney. You either commit to it or you stop. Because like this whole thing where it's like, ah, ah, you got a scene that's easily cuttable from any other country that doesn't want it. It's just like, get out. Stop doing it like this. It really started to piss me off. So the interesting thing about that is the person that, you know, that she was kissing, uh, was was she kissing her on the forehead or something, was like, is Io, who mm-hmm. seemingly has taken Okoye's spot as the yes. general yeah. um, in the door Milaje. Now, in the comics, Anika and Ao are, are a couple, and they are the Midnight Angels. And they start out as uh, a countermeasure to, they, they start out being Dora Milaje, and then they turn on the door Milaje, and they're actually opponents of t'challa and wakanda for a while until they come back around uh into the fold and, and it's a very complicated story i'm not gonna get into the whole thing it's I just a thought, comic of course it's, it's a comic <laughs> yes so i thought for them to take this turn with it i wasn't a fan of it i would have preferred to be more closer to the uh to the comic book storyline and like i keep saying to be tackled in another in the next mm-hmm. movie and not as shoved into this into this movie uh, and giving Okoye Ao spot, basically. Yeah, yeah, that that would have been, I think, a much more interesting route, right? Like they they did put a lot in here. Um, I did want to talk real quick, and this was talked about. Um, but yeah, out of all the the actions that we saw, the ending fight between Shuri now in the Black Panther uh, outfit versus Namor was brutal and incredible. And I've heard a lot of people talking about this fight online. Um, a lot, some person tweeting out is the most brutal fight in the MCU. I probably put it close on par with, like, to me, the most just like brutal physical fight is th- maybe this one and um, No Way Home. That fight in the apartment complex between Green Goblin uh, and yeah. Spider Man was something I had not seen in the Marvel Universe before because, like, that fight was not like, 
we're fighting to win a fight. That was literally Peter was like, I'm fighting to not die. Yeah. And that is yeah. like intense. It was brutal and violent and rough in a way that I had not seen the MCU do before. I, I think I might put the three-way fight between uh, Tony, Steve, yes. and Bucky up there as well. Uh, if we're just like semi-ranking things. Yeah. I think, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's a, yeah. It's a well-choreographed physical fight. I love that yeah. fight. I think it's the most emotionally weighted fight is that yeah. one. But like in terms of like just pure physical brutality, brutality yeah it's like to me it's like the, these two stand above only for that reason yeah but like yeah, in I get terms that, of like sure. fight fight yeah but like yeah her getting impaled <laughs> and they're like her what? ripping one of his little foot wings off and i'm thinking about like this phase i'm like this phase is this phase is up the kind of uh violence a little bit mm. i think if I, i'm thinking about the different type of movies i'm thinking about like dr strange and you know multiverse of madness where we're you know we're not showing it but we're cutting someone in half with a, yeah. with a cap shield like a lot of brutality in, in these uh, sets of movies here. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I think for me personally, this fight felt more brutal because it wasn't their, you know, it wasn't their fight to fight. It was actually their fighting a, a bigger issue, right? Of yeah. outsiders coming in. And then that's why this is more brutal to me than maybe the other fights because it's two people of color, two leaders fighting each other when you know over over the americans yeah but, well, well not over, even just americans it's a joint no, force trying to like, mine vibranium that's what yeah, started exactly right. so that's <laughs> yeah. what i'm saying so to me it's like how are we you know that's the the thread that made it more brutal because yes. it we're playing into the hands of the colonizers correct because we're literally it's divide and conquer that's the motto that's a british motto and the fact that we are literally dividing ourselves and saying okay one powerhouse versus another let's deplete each other so that the third can come in and make it easier because imagine right if Namor was gone if she literally dried his ass out then what would it would be so easy to mine all yeah, of it, it. like power vacuum destabilization yes. like a constant struggle so, between the two it's yeah easy cleanup for anyone else at that point yeah so to me that's why it felt way more brutal where i was like can we just like go to therapy real quick and <laughs> you know bring in the abomination because at this point i just need y'all to understand that we're you're fighting each other instead of the bigger issue and that's where the movie right like is like constantly pushing us and pulling us pushing us and pulling us into almost going there but then there are no conversations about it i feel uh this this fight also the brutality of it also reminds me of one thing i do want to talk about because why avoid talking about idiots online um so oh, one thing you. i did see because of, of of effing course this is out there i i try to avoid reading too much about like you know ignorant morons commenting on things however i did see like a few comments on a thread i was looking at that would the usual complaining about like oh like Shuri is able to take on Namor, you know, and beat him after you know she just took the heart and she has the suit now, and it's just like, what fight did you watch? Because it's not like she was just handily beating him. No, oh, yeah, she the brutality. She got him failed. Like the brutality of that moment is so intense, and it's just one of those things where she won by outmaneuvering and outthinking, exactly. not on physical capabilities. And I think that really works. But of course, there's these people because it's, of course, a uh, sexist and racist 
a misogynist idea that they're always trying to push. What makes me laugh about these assholes, by the way, I feel like the same people who sometimes say a lot of this stuff are like, there's that study out there, two studies, that was like a, a measure of how many, like you ranked like by animals, do you think you could beat them in a fight? And like, I feel like it was like 30% or like a, a high, too high I've of a this. number. I know what you're talking dudes. about. Of dudes, yeah, yes. said that they could take a grizzly bear. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I bet. Like that and the other one is like, do you think you could beat Serena <laughs> like Williams yep. in a tennis match? And there's like, again, a percentage of dudes who were like, I think I could. And it's just like, this is the, the same dudes who would complain about this and Shuri being able to do this I bet there is a Venn diagram overlapped circle <laughs> between those same people who could be like but I could take a grizzly or beat Serena Williams I feel like same assholes <laughs> here's the joke you losers right it's there's a reason why she did not fight M'Baku at the end of the movie alright wake up everyone because the point is she took a special serum to get here <laughs> if you believe captain america can do it shuri can do it too yep. wake up geniuses like yeah. just for a second all right because she and we get the main baddie allegedly he's not the main baddie but in the movie uh, namor tells us the black panther is the most powerful being period he says that line what more do y'all need if the baddie himself is saying, shit, <laughs> you know, you took the herb, it's a wrap for me now. So why are you not understanding that brains led us here? And I that they she... have a lot of them in their own. Yeah. <laughs> Watch well, it. I mean, Watch and it. she knew she knew that she had to weaken him to be able to beat him one on one. Like she, she knew put that. him in a heater in right. the in the damn air in the airplane. He, they're the, like they literally donated not donated gave a one whole second worth of the movie to the heater. Yep. So yep. what more do y'all need? And he like, was already weakened when they started fighting on the exactly. beach. Like exactly. Yeah. Uh, People have no. I don't think they really paid attention or care. I think they're, of course, just spouting their usual. They said black women can't be powerful. Exactly. Impossible. It's nonsense. I just. I don't know. Uh, That's the only thing I saw because I don't really want to delve deeper into like what people are saying. Um, But like, I'm sure there's enough morons who are commenting on something. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of like, oh, why do you hate white people? (laughs) Did you watch history? Sort of oh explain why pretty pretty solidly here. <laughs> Listen, yeah, I it's it's yeah. I'm sure we're probably gonna get people who might even comment here to be like, the three of you hate white people. It's just like, first of all, I'm married Fine. to a white person. Second of all, oh, no, I'm a white friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way to do it, right? Listen, I'm half white. Do. It's only half hate them. So oh out. my god, I'm dead. Um, I am fully Indian, but guess what? colonizers took my country and there's a lot of trauma in my body and my family history so that's why no i'm just kidding obviously we don't hate white people but we hate white supremacy if you think that's an issue the issue is with you my guy yes agreed um uh, what else do we what else do we want to touch on uh in the movie here uh jason anything uh sticking out that we skipped or missed or anything big what did y'all think of the the uh kind of the illustration of talacon like when we what we saw uh it be actually when we got when we got down there and checked it all out what was your impression of that i loved it only because it was not what i expected i think there's a visual 
of underwater cities that has been shown, like whether it be Atlantis via the comics or um, even like Aquaman, right? There's a level of structure and buildings that still feel like it's a city under the water. And certainly if it's the myth of Atlantis, that makes sense because of the city that's like. Um, one of the interesting things about Telecon is like you have architecture that is based clearly on the um, uh, native culture, but it felt so much like a actual place that would exist within yes. a water world, right? Like mm -hmm. there's just some some way about like how the levels of it were and how they existed and the floating. Like it felt like this was structured with the and uh, it's what they did with Wakanda, right? How do you build a city that has not been touched? by the outside world and how does it advance in its own way? And I think they did a really cool job of that, in my opinion, here. Uh, it really felt different than what I've seen before. And I, I really liked it for that reason. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to spend a little more time there. I felt like we, mm -hmm. it was very quick blinking, you miss it. And it felt like, even though you guys have vibrated, like if we look at Wakanda and we see what they've done with the with the technology. Right. But we see that the, you know, Talakanians haven't really done that. It's still very kind of, it feels a little primitive a little bit. They haven't had to, right? I think mm -hmm. that's why. Where uh, I have to say, shout out to the just the score of the movie because when we get to the city, we get you know, Con La Brisa starts, and what an amazing song to walk us through it all. And then it turns out that Ryan Coogler actually learned how to swim to yeah, deep dive with everyone uh, to be able to shoot all of this. And then the actress that plays Namora, sorry, I am not, uh, I don't have her name pulled up. Right right now but she can hold her breath for six and a half minutes that is <laughs> yeah so listen one thing i'll do is look all this stuff up but it's just to me all of that stuff coming together right to build this beautiful city and then that that shark throne that he sits on oh my god like when he comes down right like seemingly from earth not earth but like from the surface but not actually into his throne and then the chant and um and the fact that shuri is allowed into this world he genuinely sees uh namor sees some good in her and then the friendship bracelet right his mom's bracelet that he gives her it's just all of those no pun intended, the threads that they're tying us through to see that Wakanda and Talokan could actually be this beautiful powerhouse together um, and their allyship is amazing. And then, you know, for it to all fall apart, but wow, you know, wow. And, and the amount of, again, they didn't need to do all this. Like no one needed to learn how to hold their breath for six and a half minutes, but to be authentic, to be, to give us this visually pleasing masterpiece, they, they need it to. So, oh, I just, I'm obsessed with it. I, I'm just obsessed with how they shot it. Um, and the fact that the first fight scene took four months to shoot, y'all. That's crazy. Wow. wow. Yeah. Um, and it's, I guess, it's because they kept reshooting it so many times because they wanted it perfect. But upset i'm just obsessed with all of it and i i want more like can we get like an when we get the assembled i hope we get a lot of like yes. here's how we build talokan so that's where i got a little like uh upset at the movie a little bit because we spent so much time on like val and everett i was like we could have cut that a little bit right. and showed more talokan we uh, you know so much stuff that we did we could have cut back the midnight angel show could have cut back because the I just felt like we could have seen more. I wanted to see more of of uh, Talokan. 
uh, and that world. I just we don't know if they've like, got enough of it. Yeah, um, I will say a quick shout. It's, so it's uh, Mabel Cadena who plays uh, Namora, and of course, mm, uh, yeah, who plays I wanted, Namora. I wanted more Namora and Atuma because. Mm. You know, Atuma being the gen- like seemingly the general to yep. to Namor, because they're big, they're characters in the comics. They're big characters that relate to Namor, and I feel like we didn't get any of that. Like, I just I wanted some more character building of those two as well. They just seemed like you know regular henchmen for Namor, and like they weren't they weren't given much texture. There was like a little bit of like uh, you know chemistry between Atuma and Okoye where they're like trying to best each other, and several times in the movie, but it felt hollow on Atuma's end because I didn't get any other characterization from him i um yeah i i i definitely want to give credit though right like this conversation sort of proves how great this movie is because it is clocking in at two hours and 45 minutes yeah and honestly i never once felt the length i felt everything paced really really well everything floating through and here we are saying like we would loved more of x y and z because i think it could have it could have used a little bit more even um so credit to like being able to like pull that off um, yeah. I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I, I think I, I would love, love that too. Right. Like a, like a super long extended cut here. Just like see so much more like a Lord of the Rings extended edition or something. Um, <laughs> cause there's so much to delve into. There's so much world here. And I think that's so incredible and amazing to like be able to like build these worlds and want us to like see more and expand more. Um, certainly I, I, I see the point in the Ross and Everett, um, the Everett Ross and, uh, Val stuff. I found it very, you know, the, the parts that were there amusing. I think there was a little bit of there was there for comic relief too. Not to say like this movie, as much as the serious stuff we're talking about, is very funny. They have like yeah. phenomenal lines and everyone is able to kill kill with the comedy uh, like extremely well. So I always appreciate that where the movie is able to balance that comedy and the action and the drama. Did you think we would get like a Thunderbolts direct tie in at some point with Val? Like maybe even like yeah. an end credit scene where we're like, okay, like we'll go take the vibranium ourselves. And then we see like a one shot of like the, Vi- the Thunderbolts team, like or something like that. I thought for a moment they would. And I'm glad, and I'm, I'm, I might even say maybe they filmed it, but I'm glad that they cut it. Cause again, like I think, especially with the ending of this film and what this film ended up being, having it be like this is its own thing. Cause the, there is a post credit scene, which we should probably mm-hmm. talk about. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's not one that's meant to be like, oh, here's setting it up. You know, I think I, I joked to Josh uh, that you guys were on this thread where he was not going to be able to see it until after we recorded because he's on vacation. <laughs> He's like, I've avoided all spoilers. And I was just like, oh, you didn't see the post credits of Tony Shalhoub as Galactus? And it's Horrible. just like, that's what it, that's what almost like some of it feels like. Where you have like Harry Styles showing up and you have Cerise Theron showing up. You're just like, are they just finding celebrities and throwing them into these movies? So yeah. I was like, what's the most ridiculous thing I could think of? But still at the same time, sort of plausible. <laughs> I yeah, was like, totally. Tony Shalhoub as the voice of Galactus. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I literally had to Google because, you know, I'm so scared of spoilers. So I didn't look up like the post. I always during the credits will look up how many mm. post credit scenes yeah. are there so I, I was like i'm reading it's only one why what yeah, happened because in my so yeah, yeah in my mind i said no thunderbolts for sure is coming like why did you waste all this precious real estate to not give me a thunderbolt not not that i'm saying i wanted it but uh-huh why did y'all waste so much time right she she bugged the beads she she like on his ass constantly and let and he's over here risking his life his his job to help wakandans because he owes them his life for nothing 
you know, for no yeah. payoff, honestly. It, and that part felt a little too cute, too, where mm-hmm. Val was like, I had the beads bugged even before you got there. I was like, okay, that felt, well, that feels a little that, too, right? like, too wonderful. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't oh, think really? that for sure. No, she not left for sure. Him, oh, when she leaves him in the car for him to call, uh, mm-hmm. the first time I was like, oh, why did she leave so easily? That's so obvious that she needs yeah. him to make the call. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it, it all felt a little too cute uh, mm-hmm. in that aspect where Val's on top of it all because she's, like, a, the best super spy in the world. So, I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of down on the Val Everett Ross parts if you didn't if you didn't get that from my, from my commentary so far. <laughs> But I did, I did, I actually appreciated the restraint they showed in not having an end credit scene. Just because that, that mid-credit scene was so impactful yeah. and so important yeah. that it felt, it felt good that it was a standalone type of thing. That we didn't get some like, oh, next up in the MCU, the Thunderbolts. Like, I, I, I felt like it was more impactful because we got that on, on its own. Mm-hmm. I wonder if part of this is also a, a release schedule thing because Wakanda Forever technically was supposed to come out like way before it ended yeah. up coming out, but like delays and everything else and COVID. So I wonder if this is one of those things of like timing of like where Val was supposed to show up at certain points and how quickly and how frequently because mm-hmm. like she's appeared a lot more than intended. Like her original first appearance was supposed to be uh, Black Widow, but that ended up yeah. being like um, Falcon Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. So like I think I wonder how much reshuffling has sort of affected some of that stuff. Um, it's really hard to say for sure. Uh, but again, like I, I, I think again, it's my bias is just towards Julie Dreyfus and Martin Freeman, both of whom I just, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound objectifying. However, both of these people, good guy. Okay. Uh, Julie Dreyfus has always been attractive. Martin Freeman was always attractive in that like dorky dude kind of way, obviously from the original office. And like, he's been in so many things. He just hasn't looked to him. Right. I don't know if it's the Marvel movies. He has obviously slimmed down considerably, but that man is, like has silver fox like nobody's business. And even watching Veep for a long time with Julia Reese Dreyfus, I'm just like, God damn, Julia. Like just both of them are like two people where I'm just like, you both have like aged into also like great, like it's insane. Uh, good for good for them. I, just... I can just think of him as the Hobbit. That's why I right? can't get over yeah. it ever and I'm not on the same plane, but Julia, obviously, I'm with you on that. And it's so obvious we don't hate white people because look at yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> look so, at us. <laughs> so listen, as much as I, as much as I like, am hating on it. The the scenes were acted brilliantly, of course. Well, yeah. There's no other way it could have <laughs> yeah. gone for those two. Like, and for for them to have been a formerly married couple was like such a fantastic revelation. Yeah. I, I think in the comics she is tied to Nick Fury. I think she is Nick Fury's yes. ex in the comics. Um, so that revelation was fun. I just don't know if I needed it here, here. in Wakanda yeah. forever. I think maybe I would have appreciated, uh, you know, a secret invasion. I, cause I think, uh, I do believe Ross is going to come up in uh secret invasion. If I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, um, he, he's going to play a part in that. Uh, yeah, so I, that's what people are saying. We'll see. Yeah. I just would have appreciated it somewhere else. Not, not in this movie. Fair. Um, let, let, since we haven't talked about it, actually, let us talk about real quick. The, the, uh, post credits, mid credits scene. Um, which is as uh, the movie ends, Shuri finally is hitting that final phase of acceptance. Um, culturally, you burn the uh, funeral clothes you wore um, on the one-year anniversary. She goes to Haiti where, um, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I'm, I'm blanking. Nikia, <laughs> thank you. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm blanking on the character name. Um, uh, currently lives, she had left uh wakanda uh during the snap and had never returned even for the funeral and but shuri goes there because she returns during all the course of events 
Um, and the final act is her burning those funeral clothes. That's where we get the montage uh, of Chadwick as T'Challa, which was just impactful. And that's where the movie ended. In the mid credits between our scene, she shows up. And she brings with her a small boy. And the moment the boy shows up, I was just I was like, like, oh, shit, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah, same. I was just like, oh, like it was. We knew. Uh, yeah, especially like yeah. looking at the age. I was like, that looks like an approximately six-year-old child. Yeah. <laughs> but so like in the, in, the, in the trailers, I mean, Kevin, you haven't seen it. I have but there, there's a there's scene that we saw with a baby being born. Turns yes. out it was no more. And as we're seeing the trailers, like, oh my God, is that T'Challa's son? Like, is that T'Challa's child? Like, that's what will I that, will said. That be I swear I said this. I was like, I think yeah. we're going to see T'Challa's son. I don't know where I said it, damn it. But I agree because I also saw that scene and I was like, no, that's Nikia giving birth. I refuse yeah. to, for you to tell me anything <laughs> yep. else. Yep. No. I, I thought for sure that was it. Then the movie comes like, oh, that was no more. I guess we're not yeah, getting, Elliot, I guess yeah, we're not getting T'Challa's son. And then, like, at the end, it's like, oh no, he's here. Like, that's yep. him because i mean right, I think, guess what <laughs> yeah i think a lot of us would have assumed that, that this could happen right like that we, we off screen they could have had a child to continue the legacy of t'challa I, I think all of us went to this thinking that was a possibility um and then we go through the whole movie it's like oh no not there okay that's cool that's, that's whatever and then to get it at the very end i was like oh my god that's so fantastic now my, now my, my 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 quibble my small quibble Ooh. if i'm sure i'm like Y'all couldn't tell me. Like right. everyone else knew in my family, T'Challa, uh, Ramonda. I, I was the only one that was left in the dark. Why is that? Yeah. So I believe Good there question. were different times where she was going to where Ramonda was going to tell. Oh, Shuri. definitely during the, the her the burning. That was yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. Now as you said that, I was like, she I have something to tell you about your brother. I was like, okay. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. You go. And interestingly enough, it's a scene with elephants, which are known to be very um masterful. I don't know if that's the right word, grievers, actually, because they visit the site yeah. of um the dead or their dead every year. So again, they're killing me with how good they are <laughs> at this subtle imagery. But yeah, so I believe there were at least twice that she was going to tell Shuri. So like, well, we have to keep her in the dark at all. I, just, yeah. I was like, that was weird. I and this... I'm, oh yeah. Sorry, I also ahead. wonder a little bit if this was kind of a late addition to the story. Because mm -hmm. we get we get Ramunda visiting Nakia, and it's like, hey, where were you? There was no, and she's like, oh, you know, I just feel like I should be there. And it was no like, no, because he told me to keep the kid away from away from Wakanda for a while. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it felt like this maybe would have been could have been a late addition. I don't know because. I think that would have been something that a scene that could have been shared with Ramunda in the main story if this was a thing beforehand. But I don't know. I'm not sure. What do you guys think? I yeah, I mean I liked it as a tribute. I think it's really great. I think yeah. it it makes sense. I love the idea of the the again, this speaks to T'Challa, right? The idea of like I, I grown outside of Wakanda but knows about his past as people. Mm -hmm. Um and I think that's Again, part of that story, the idea of um, being a part of the outside world, but still knowing where you're from and how you connect and live with the two. Uh, he is, again, to me, that represents the lesson he learned from Killmonger, I think, in that first one, uh, which also, we touched on it briefly, but just like, I cheered the moment I saw Michael B. Jordan. Yes. Goddamn, I love that character and I love him as an actor. So it was just like, hell yes. Um so I, I really liked it because like when he says that is not like he doesn't know about his people in past, he does. And I like that that mm -hmm. that is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, 
there is that like yeah that question of like I, it's it's that purposeful avoidance right that sometimes happens i don't think they did it overtly so uh in the dialogue here i think there is the scene you mentioned jason for sure but it didn't like it doesn't break me enough away from like the occurrences to like yeah. seem completely out of place um but yeah I, I i thought it was a great tribute especially like the idea of the legacy continuing and things like that i thought it was very touching yeah and I was like I said, I was I watched this with my mom. So my mom's immediate reaction, and you wouldn't tell your mom the queen? And then immediately they were like, and she knew. Yeah. So my mom like, was like, oh. Okay, yeah, they had to I'm like good. they had to get that in there. Like, yeah. Did, did, did mom know? Like, oh yeah, she she totally knew. Mm-hmm. And then I have to say also, we haven't touched a lot, but on Nakia and mm-hmm. what a badass she was. Because all these people, right? Like Okoye is, you know, got reamed by the queen, but for losing her daughter, even their daughter maybe willingly went, whatever. And I'm exaggerating. No, but I didn't love that because like Ramon didn't stop, sure. Ramon didn't like exactly. say you can't go. It was like she said, okay, fine, like after Okoye convinced her, I can see why she's mad, but just strip her up for, like, their general rank. I'm like, like you're that's... doing the absolute most, and it's, it's like, just maybe there's some, you know, unhealed trauma coming out. I, I'm sorry, wait a minute. Are you telling me that you haven't experienced a mom overreact on something? move on! Let's not get canceled. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, exactly. So, Anyway, but then Nakia shows up and she goes, yes, just give me one business day and it's it's done. I, yeah. I got you. Right. Because how easily. Right. Six years out of the game. But she's back in and she said, I'm going to be the spy. She's like, gonna... glasses. Like, pretend I'm some like research person. Right. I'm in. And Lupita Nyong'o does speak Spanish really well. So it's just like all of it works so well. And what a badass but she's able to kind of bring her spiritual self with this badassery and and i think the way that character was able to create that and then nakia and um and the queen mother you did start the fight i have to say you killed two people for sure i mean i think that's the thing right like it, it is like where does it like the the vengeance and the idea of like retaliation and stuff and like again Fighting not right with the common enemy um, can lead down this path um, as opposed to try and outreach and diplomacy or, or some other path forward. Uh, which, again, I uh, just want to clearly state, because I will always clearly state, I don't think uh, reaching across the aisle or trying to find a path forward with any sort of white supremacist is the answer. Hell no. Uh, just specifically with other people who aren't white supremacists, I can get behind. But <laughs> just want to clarify, because some people think we should just all sit together at a table and i'm just like "Mm, maybe not um but uh yeah i i don't know i i i I actually do understand where ramon is coming from when she's mad and it it isn't like a rational anger but it is someone coming from someone who lost everything and it is the idea of her saying like i'll I'll, come on it'll be fine let her go out and if something happens you're gonna get pissed so i i think it was reactionary and extra but I, i i i get it from like someone who has lost their entire family perspective you know um, so I but she didn't have to her shade her to be like, mm, your little traitor husband. I know <laughs> you know that's who you lay with. Like, why? Come on, come on. And I love it because the man didn't want to come back for the movie. So I guess you had to know where uh, th- where his character was gone. I was like, oh, why you did that to him? 
Yeah, I don't know what the deal is there. Like maybe there wasn't enough also for him in the script or whatever. Or no, I think he was and... he was shooting nope. Nope. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, is probably yeah I think yeah, that's else. what Daniel uh, Kaluuya was. But then we see a jellyfish. No, oh, wait, spoilers, spoilers, nope, spoilers. Um, but we see a jellyfish at the start of the movie, which I was like, hmm, wonder where I've seen that. <laughs> so if you've seen nope, you know what I'm talking about. I guess I'll just say that. Uh. All right, let's see. Any any other stuff that, that we missed? Because like Mbaku. Oh, good God! Oh, yes. yes. Okay, I, I was like, so I'm good. ready. Don't worry. Yeah. So uh, so is he is he officially king? Is that I we're supposed kinda, to surmise from this? That's what I thought was happening, which would be really interesting to see, like how it moves forward and like what they what they do with this. Because I I, I kind of like the idea of like him being king and her being the protector. I think is yeah. very interesting. Yeah. And Separation him... of church and state. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that a lot. And to see him really step up to be like a counsel for exactly. uh, for Shuri after his after her mom dies is was such a, a great move for that character. And we, it's not even a move that is like uh you know out of fe- out of left field. It feels like the natural progression for that character that he's he's on the outside, this like brash, just like kind of a hole. But you know, when it comes down to it, he's gonna step up and be like the guy he needs to be. Yeah, I think Mbaku is one of my favorite characters ever because, and and Winston's Mbaku. Maybe I'll say that Winston Duke's Mbaku because it's so funny. Like he, the first scene we see him in, man is chewing a carrot. Yeah, right. Well, because- a carrot. Because he's a vegetarian. Who else could communicate through grunts the way yeah. that he does and it'd be so effective? God, and he's obviously so attractive, right? Like, my God. <laughs> All right. And and I feel that if I were a ruler, I would want to be incarnated as an Mbaku. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but here I am. And and the fact that I think the subtle nods to Hanuman is Always, so yes. cool to Love watch. It. And again, I'm watching it with my mom who's Indian. We're both Jewish, but we, you know, we, we grew up in India. So my mom is like, Hanuman. And she's just like yelling. I'm like, shh, you're in the movie. It's like, please, let's not do this. And to be able to, even the morning, uh, he has like white around his arms. Uh, that's like something Hindus do when they are mourning. So it was just amazing how they're, again, able to weave all of this. But Mbaku's growth right from like this grunting man on the side this ruler to actually being part of his culture right because there was always supposed to be six tribes right yeah and one of them six or five sorry it's five 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 five. yeah Yeah. the jabari land people were like on the outside exactly yeah yeah. okay right i was like is it four yeah anyway so five and you know the jabari to really be on the out but now they're like no we can exist as we want to be while still being part of the bigger microcosm and i think he is a big reason for that bridge and just like what a badass the way he fights but he's he's also so funny he's like fish man is here i gotta kill him <laughs> it's so good and like give him his flowers man yeah i mean just the, the way he just every line out of him is, is fantastic yes. and, and the way he speaks obviously uh just the uh what is it just, like, just because we live in the mountains doesn't mean we don't have access to books <laughs> yeah. it's really yeah. great <laughs> just like a very like we know things um I thought was phenomenal. And yeah, I mean, for me, like ever since the first movie, uh, that Hanuman representation is like ecstatic for me. I talked extensively about that on the original Black Panther podcast, but like 
it, it's so incredible to hear that name in a mainstream movie. Like Hanuman is probably my favorite Hindu deity. I have a book notebook in the like background over there. It's a little higher than the video camera um, of uh, with, with Hanuman. And like, it, it, he's just a very cool character for me. I've always liked that character. And so the seed of representation here in this movie has been amazing. Like even to like little things like uh, Hanuman is like uh, ape-like, but like the, see the gorilla representation and, and the statue in the background, stuff like that, the vegetarian. And I pointed this out, the fact that he fights with a mace because that's what Hanuman yes. uses is all these like little things that I absolutely adore it. So like, I love that character just for that level of representation alone. And again, the, being able to like historically um, trace that back because like uh, I looked it up afterwards because I was curious and like yeah there is uh, tribes in Africa that mm -hmm. have Hanuman as a deity like it is a thing that's spread so uh, the, it just shows a level of care and research that really truly goes into both of these films and, and that is put into it uh, that is so so deeply appreciated but I I want so much more Mbaku all the time like that's another one where I'm just like oh give me give me more of that happening and again I, I was curious like if they were going to do like the Black Panthers situation, like how does that shape out? Like what, what would that be? Um, but the idea of him possibly being a ruler while Shuri's protector, I think is really interesting as well. I mean, it just gets me jazzed for the future as always um, in a way that I don't think a lot of the Marvel films for me have been doing um, certain ones. Sure. But like, I, I, this is such a like well done and not just a future of the mcu but specifically the future of wakanda and what they're gonna do as long as like these people are involved as long as ryan coogler is involved that's what i keep wanting to see and i hope we get to see more of um as we as we move forward uh this one ranks very high for me in phase four specifically i think it's a it, it ranks high in general not as high i think as some of my like tops but um, certainly for Phase Four, I think it's this oh, and yeah. Love and Thunder for me that are like my favorites. And I know Love and Thunder is divisive with a lot of people, but my reasons for liking that are my own. But this one, I think, is just it's fantastic, possibly the top. You know? Yeah, I think for me in Phase Four specifically, at this moment, it always feels like when I walk out of a theater, I'm like, that was fantastic, and then I, I think know. about it more, and I'm like, it goes down the ranks a little bit. But for me, at the moment, for Phase Four, this is at the top, uh, and it's. And I mean, Wakanda Forever is a fantastic movie, but it, it doesn't have to do a lot to get to the top of the phase four sure, ranks for yeah. me. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely up there for right now. I, I don't know where I would put it in the overall MCU for me. I have to think more about that before I, you know, go that far. Uh, but it's going to be definitely in the top half, maybe the top quarter of MCU movies for me. Uh, I do think this is a fantastic movie. Like I've been saying this whole podcast, I think there were some things you could have trimmed off and added yeah. more things. That I would like to see. That's probably my only real criticism. If you could trim some fat and add some more stuff in. Uh, but other than that, it was a fantastic movie. I mean, I don't think we've spoken enough about Letitia Wright's yeah. uh, portrayal here. For her to move from what in the first movie, she was more of a like she's a little precocious, like teenager who was a comic relief. And for her to really grow here and to show a lot of different sides of her and to show that that level of grief and to question your faith as you are processing your grief and anger is something that I think a lot of people can relate to. And I think that she did it wonderfully. Yeah. When she shows up right at the end and in, in the middle with the black Panther suit on, I was like, it's done. Yeah. Uh, where do I follow you to the end of the earth to that damn boat? 
I'm here, right? Because again, her Black Panther feels so different because she she sees Killmonger, right? Oh mm-hmm. my God. When Killmonger showed up, I think my the whole movie theater gasped because I definitely didn't know that yeah. was coming. And but it made sense, right? With the fire going while she's showing up in the ancestral. Is that ancestral plane? I don't I don't yeah. want to call it that. It, it didn't feel that, but maybe yeah. it is. Um, and and then to be able to pull from that and also you know which we talked about a little right of all the different black panthers and ancestors that she's pulling from to become her own and then bringing science into that it just feels what is feels like in 2022 and you know forward is where our superheroes should be going is not necessarily just holding on to like superpowers but also being dimensional in that they can really pull on being smart and being uh, being badass with smartness because I feel like a lot of women, we don't necessarily always see that on screen a lot. And we know they exist, but I don't know that it's represented that well on screen. So finally, we get like a badass black woman that's a scientist, but also a black panther. And it's, and it's really cool to watch. And I, I do think she did a good job whatever her personal beliefs may be (laughs) here we are (laughs) and to speak a little bit about like the the women in superhero movie tropes i think this really skews away from a lot of i I think for captain marvel they made it a point to be like no love interest here like this is just straight captain marvel she's not like you know doing anything and this love interest crap because that's not what women are about it felt like that was kind of hit us over the head with that in that movie and then Black Widow is a little less of less hitting over the head. It's more just like it's just natural. This is as natural as natural can be. There's no like, mm-hmm. there's no like, oh, because you're a girl, this and that. There's right. none of that. None of that. And I appreciated this movie for that a lot. There was never any question about, I mean, from the movie, <laughs> inside the movie. Right. Uh, of it. <laughs> Questioning of like. Real world, whole other situation. But yeah. Yeah. The question like, can you do this because you're a woman? Like, there was none of that. So I really, really appreciated that about this movie. Well, it also, oh. I think, speaks so well about, like, Wakanda in terms of its own progressivism, right? Because, like, th- like gender was never an issue. And I think that's even somewhat addressed in, in, the, in the first movie in a way, right? Like, the idea of, like, gender norms isn't, like, built into Wakanda. They are futurists in so many ways, like, socially and progress and, and uh, economically um, and technologically. Uh, and I, th- I also agree. Like, I kind of am tired of... of, of that story trope that needs to almost exist to be like oh in this fictional world we created sexism also will exist and we will address it as if it was real and it's just like or you could just not do that because it's a world you made up um the same thing when people are just like how can black people exist in fantasy well i don't understand the question (laughs) yeah Oh my! But I also have to say, because this is another thing I uh, I saw online that I want to shut down. If any of our listeners are doing it, don't. The, the Shuri and Namor shippers. Uh, Let's fight. Yeah. All right. It, because it, absolutely not. This is so messy. This is gross on so many levels. And women are dimensional in that you can find a man that listen man's attractive we know but that does he's 500 years old okay and she's made stop being a teenager yesterday so let's understand that stop and then people are like oh the Raylo shippers rilo sorry stop it 
stop it. You stop it's it right now. a whole other conversation. No, I know. Yeah, listen. Don't, <laughs> I'm not a star. Please don't come for me about that. But the point is, it is not equal. And that's weird. He killed her mom. Let's not forget. Okay. So let them just be. And like that shipping, I was like, it's disgusting. And I'm number one shipper of anyone and everyone. Anybody, I'm saying that. Okay. So please. Well, it felt like they, they for a millisecond, it was there. Sure. When he was showing her around. But yeah. I'm yeah. like, come on. A man is being nice to a woman. The bar is in hell. That does not equal <laughs> that he, they need to be a love interest. It's that he's just showing her around because he sees genuine good in her. And that's it. Come on, people. Stop. Don't ship them. That's gross. And her and maybe him and Namora, because, you know, it's interesting. I'm into that. I'll write well, that I fan it, fiction. It, I mean, the comics, I think they're supposed well, to be cousins. That's yeah, what I'm cousins saying. Cousins in comics. Which is, yeah. it, it does not by blood. I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin my ship. Uh, okay. Get out of here. It's not no none of the southern situation here. It's all good. I'll allow it. <laughs> I'm uh I'm in agreement about like not shipping these two. I I don't I don't think it's necessary in terms of like ships are always complicated because people when they ship stuff it usually means long term. Now if we're gonna have uh no more like man slotted around that's fine because that's actually oh, in I his love character. It. Yeah, that's uh, a comic character. That's his sure, deal. Yeah. Um, him and Daredevil. That's just what they do, and I'm glad yeah. they did that with Daredevil. <laughs> And She-Hulk as well. I uh, love it. Just yeah, A pluses on those. So I agree about the not shipping. Um, and like, yeah, I, I not every movie needs to have. I'm such a big proponent of not every movie needs to have a romance. It is a go-to studio note of like you need to have a romance in here, mm-hmm. followed closely by like, can we have an open narration? Um, this is, I, I I would love to do away with those necessities. Uh, just in ad nauseum here and forever. Um, so like yeah, I, I agree about not shipping them. I just again like the the portrayals of the characters and the acting is so good. Uh, yeah, I will also like props out to Leticia Wright, who I think just did such a really 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 good job um, picking up this mantle, this heavy heavy mantle, and just she's been a great actress, you know. And so like I think that's been carried through. Obviously, the real world stuff is frustrating, especially because she's Guyanese. It's just kind of like God. Damn it! We had one. It's supposed one. to be a scientist. Yeah, we're supposed to have one. Why are you doing this? It's like when M Night Shyamalan is just like, we got one, and then he just fell apart, and you're just like, Please, damn God. it! Come on, just, just every time uh, when one rises, another falls. Uh, so yeah, um, but like acting wise, this movie really truly just across the board, the acting was out of control incredible and obviously mm-hmm. the attractiveness of everyone in this cast is also out of control it <laughs> doesn't hurt yeah um and yeah it's 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 tops for for many of those reasons uh god i could like yeah it really truly is a movie that we could just keep talking about too <laughs> yeah and yes. like, and last thing about that like if a woman is gonna have a love interest it needs to be from like the female gaze not the male gaze so you know if like shuri has a lot of agency in who maybe she whatever that's fine like nakia right we see a lot of like chadwick is like puppy dog eyes and she's kind of like just like calm down dude chill out bro and then does end up you know having a baby with him it's all good so if it's in that gaze then it's okay but usually unfortunately these stories are written with the male gaze in mind and you know there's a lot of erasure right of women and their pleasure and that's when it gets annoying and messy so if we're gonna do a love interest i need it to be 
well done and this ain't it okay let her just like be the black panther that's already a lot of stress we don't need to add a relationship on top of that agreed like that's the other thing is like so much the, the theme of the story doesn't necessitate it or or center on that and people will Period. shove in relationships into a story and it detracts from the theme you're trying to say because you also have to then build a relationship that's why so many relationships and movies fall flat because you don't have enough time to dedicate to them actually going through it and actually liking each other you're just telling us that that's what has to happen because that's what the plot demands and mm -hmm. i'm glad that that was not a thing here and was not something that felt like it was a burden in the first one either like yeah i i would be happy to not have those 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 elements anymore i think most superhero yeah. movies are moving away from a lot of that unless it's like vital like obviously yeah. there's relationship stuff in uh spider-man no way home but like it's, it's still different enough also yeah, another movie where it's just like science science help yeah. me out <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, I'm not like I said, I'm not mad. I like romance, but I just don't need it all the time. That's all. Shipper's gonna ship, man. You can't stop it. The internet's gonna, gonna No, I will fight the sh these shippers. <laughs> She's a child, you weirdos. Another Disney issue, right? But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a whole other podcast about yes, Disney's exactly youth, especially the princess eyes. Uh, coming to all... you soon yeah <laughs> it's, it's not oh my god and the last last thing for me and then i really don't have anything else is uh toussaint's name uh it's actually the inspired by a enslaved man that was really prominent during his life fought against the french haha -ha, fun fact mm. um which is why i wonder if that's why they picked her to be in Haiti. Because, Interesting, yeah. Yeah. And because, you know, French, that, that lady, man, her face was just pissing me off at the start at the UN. And anyway, he actually fought against France for Haitian independence. So uh, that's it. So Toussaint is uh, mm -hmm. Black Panther. So T'Challa's son. Son, his, sorry. Yes. Yeah, his, uh, his, his Haitian, Haitian name. name? Yeah. 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 So to it. People, yeah, it's Toussaint. Uh, I'm not French speaker, please. But Louverture, I don't know how to say it. I'm so sorry, everyone. You can look it up. But the point is, that is where uh, it's interesting because we see France at the start of the movie being yeah. annoying and horrible. And then we have the child uh, who's named after the, per the father of Haiti who um, helped start an enslaved person's rebellion into In a movement. In fact, uh, and again, this movie is so deliberate with choices. I feel like this is also deliberate, right? Yeah. The, the French being the antagonist and specifically um, Nakia living in Haiti is, I think, purposeful because the, re re the revolt you're talking about is, I believe, the only successful slave revolt in yes. history. Yes. The you're only right. one that you're actually right. succeeded. Um, so I think there is lots of levels to those choices mm -hmm. as well, which I think is very fascinating, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I can't like, as a comic book fan, I can't come on here and not talk about the comic book counterparts for anyone like interested in that. I would, I would point you to original Hudlin's run on the character. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the most like seminal run of black Panther. And it, it reintroduces black Panther to the Marvel universe. Uh, in an important way, the comic books from 2005 and all the way up until uh, we get the, I mean, in that first Hudlin run is where we introduce Shuri. Uh, the, the, even the concept of Shuri, because even before then, she wasn't even a character. Yep. Original Hudlin introduced her and then 
going like a few years down the road is when Shuri becomes a Black Panther in the comics. Uh, so that whole Hudlin run, the original Hudlin run, you can check that out to see what what was different in the comics and all that good stuff. I just had to put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what Namor comics I would even recommend on the on the flip side because like that's yeah. harder. That dude is. He, a, he, I he, think he's so different from the comic is. book character that you can you don't even have to dive into the comic book history yeah. anymore because it, it's so different. Um, you know, besides the fact that he has little wings on his feet that yes. that carries over <laughs> and the pointy ears, but everything else is a kind of a very different character. Supremely different. Um, yeah. He's a very great in the comics. I think personally, I think he's a great uh, supporting character. It's it's hard to think of something that puts him in the front of the uh, the central part of the story that I was just like, ah, yes, that really sticks out. Um, but uh, I mean, Namor did Namor did become a a big Black Panther villain at mm-hmm. one point in the comics run because he like destroyed Wakanda with a tidal wave. Yeah, in the comics, like I think that's where we get the fact that Namor is a Black Panther villain. Uh, in the comics and is kind of transported over here to the films, but you know it's it's not. I, we don't we didn't even get a big tidal wave here in this. It's mostly just like kind of like a light flooding, like it, it, yeah. it kind of felt like. Um, but I but like yeah. the physicality of how they did it, right? Like that yeah. and the sirens call, right? Like those yes. dangers, I thought were really interesting. Um, it's so like another reason I definitely thought with the comics that Reed Richards might be the person who shows up is because I believe like Black Panther first appeared in Fantastic Four, and yes. the, and Namor yeah. is a huge character in the fantastic four comics so it was just like oh what a place if this is where the fantastic four show for the first time is in <laughs> fact in black panther i thought that'd be an interesting parallel uh but sadly not who knows when we'll ever get them who knows when we're gonna get real mutants who knows who knows well i certainly don't <laughs> they're all mutants and that's it that you get excited in every movie that was still waiting <laughs> still waiting for the for the x people whenever we get them i know i guess uh, who knows at this point they're just teasing us stop it stop it stop using that word literally i'm over it when i heard that i actually rolled my eyes because i was like no (laughs) shut up yeah stop teasing us exactly don't appreciate it (laughs) one day i don't know i I, it's this is the thing and this is why i mean like because it's out of context enough in here too where or just even in context of what a mutation is that it works without being just like ah wink wink so like I was well, he's like, I'm a mutant. I'm a mutant. I got mutated stuff. My ears yeah. are mutated. My feet are mutated. My feet are mutated. It's, yeah. I'm different. I don't turn blue. Like, see, it's, and it's like, yeah, all right. You used the word correctly. But we know it means something else. We'd love yeah. for you to give us that something else at some point. Um, uh, all right. I guess it, uh, that'll wrap us up here for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, again, if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you listen to this, uh, <laughs> but you should go watch it. Um, it's great. Uh, it is doing very well in theaters. I hope it continues to do well. Um, I'm. This is the end of phase four of the MCU. Uh, I believe Quantum the Mania is next, uh, which ideally will finally tell us where the MCU is headed. And if it doesn't, I will probably tear all my hair out. Um, but as far as like where we are here, I think this is a great uh, a great spot for phase four to end on a high note, in my opinion. Um, I really like it compared to a lot of other Phase 4 movies. Uh, I certainly will watch it again. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks to you two uh, for talking about this with me. Thanks oh, for having here. us. I know, yeah. this was so much fun. Oh, this what was, a movie. This was absolutely great, yeah. And uh, you guys were carrying the mantle over there on uh, the main Everything is Superfeed with She-Hulk, which, again, thank you for, uh, for, for covering that. Uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, 
definitely go check that out both the she-hulk show and our coverage um what else you got going on you got anything else going on you want people to follow you not in real life but on social media uh jason where can people uh see you uh, you can find me on Twitter at J-A-Y-R-1085. My uh, main gig at the moment is covering the reality TV show Made Her for a Sight over on the A Perfect Match podcast. Uh, check me out with my co-host Asia Welch over there. We're having a great time. Season's just about over this season, but uh, you know you can check us out still. You can, you can give us a shot, and we'll be back in a couple months for the next season. Uh, so check me out there. And anything else I have coming up, I will put on the Twitter. Uh, Sasha, what about you? What you got going on? Yeah, you can check me weekly over on Rob Has a Podcast uh, slash Mess of Magnets, where Kristen McKennis and I are covering, you know, daily pop culture, lots of mess, lots of just like vibes only, honestly, with these celebrities. Whatever mess they're up to, we're covering it. Okay. So check all of that out. And over on Silent Podcast, I'm covering Never Have I Ever with Chappelle. And I'm covering The Amazing Race as well. So check all of that over on silent podcast and everything else that i'm on you can just find me on twitter at fun size underscore oh four to know all of it this was so much fun thank you kevin and josh for letting us honestly come back don't don't think the colonizer for this yeah you know what yeah he, he's still in chains we he's not he's, ba- he's the yet. back of the van and we're not yeah. coming to get him he's just yeah. gonna go to yeah. guantanamo wherever yeah, he's on his own. Else. yeah um as for me, uh, you you can follow me if you want on Twitter for however long that lasts uh, at <laughs> Kevin Mahadeo. Um, yeah, I don't <laughs> gotta figure out what social media I'm gonna promote next week. I guess I don't. Your Instagram? I, I don't. Maybe know. I should just start posting on Instagram more. I'm just gonna turn into a fashion Instagram. I've gotten way more into fashion, and this movie did not help because it just <laughs> makes me want to be like, I need to buy better looking clothes. Um, Same. Be- Beyond that, uh, of course, everything is super. Uh, we'll be continuing. We'll have coverages of various things as we move into the future. The most immediate, uh, once Josh does get free, uh, if you've listened to our Black Adam coverage, um, you know what's coming. But if you haven't, Josh and I recently talked about Black Adam, and it served as a great segue to actually, at long last, finally delve into the DCEU. So we'll, we'll be watching... Uh, all the DC oh, no. movies. Yep, that's sorry. right. Oh, wow. So sorry for you. I know. Starting with Man of Steel, uh, Superman movie we had not covered uh, before. So uh, we're starting there. We're going to be doing all the Snyder stuff. So Man of Steel into BVS, Justice League, both versions. I have never seen the Snyder cut, so this will be my first time watching it. <sighs> Lord help me. Um, four hours. Uh, other than that, uh, we got the Mighty Dust Game Changer podcast on the pay- uh, main feed, actually, on the main feed. You can check out where Melissa Woodward and I are talking about the Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney+. Plus. We're on season two uh, that we've been covering week by week. And uh, on the patron feed, if you are a patron, which you can become by going to patreon.com slash postshowrecaps, uh, where you can find a number of patron-exclusive podcasts, including Who A, which is Melissa, myself, and Adam H. talking about Doctor Who uh, we're both huge fans of that series, and we've started with the Christopher Eccleston era and have been making our way through. We're doing essentially a curated list, so we're not doing every single episode. Uh, it's a great place for people who have been curious about getting into Doctor Who and how to get into and what episodes to watch. Uh, we're basically making it easy for you by telling you which ones to check out and then re- quick, very quick recaps about anything important you missed in between. Uh, so check that out by becoming a patron at patreon.com show recaps. Uh, and that's it for us. So uh, until next time, farewell, everyone. And
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.